What's going on, everybody? John out here with you. I'm going to be joined by Cooper Hopkins in a moment. Maybe just a little bit after, maybe 15 minutes. It's going to be a little bit of a pivot here because I know we're going to have crack and avalanche about 9.40 Eastern, but we will be able to carry a little bit of this OT. We'll see what he wants to do there. Florida has just tied this up in the final minute and went across the TNT score, Chiron, before we even saw it live. But let me give you the uh, particulars for our game upcoming here for the Seattle Kraken and the Colorado Avalanche. So, starting lineup for Dave Hextall's squad, the Matty Beneers, Ty Cartier, Jordan Eberle with Vince Dunn and Adam Larson, Alex Wember, Jaden Schwartz, Morgan Geeky with Jamie Alexiak and Will Borgen, Yanni Gord, Ellie Tolvanen and Oliver Bjorkstrand with Ryan Donato, Brandon Tanev and Daniel Sprung, Carson Soucy and Justin Schultz with the back end defense with Philip Grubauer in net. For the Colorado Avalanche, it sounds like this per usual for Jared Bednar's squad. Nathan McKinnon, Artrey Likin, and Mika Rantanen with Devin Taze and Kel McCart. Lars Eller, Evan Rodriguez, JT Confer with Jack Johnson, Bob Byram. Alex Newhook, Matt Nieto, Logan O'Connor with Sam Gerrard and Eric Johnson, Ben Myers, Brad Hunt, and Dennis Mulgan will be the fourth line side with Alexander Gurgiev in net. So, we have a couple of Game 7s. In fact, we had three Game 7s if you want to count the NBA side where the Warriors able to dispatch the Kings. They weren't able to light the beam at the Golden 1 Center. But let me give you the recap as far as this series is concerned while we're waiting. So, Game 1, Seattle won 3-1. It was Tolvin and Wemberg Geeky were able to get a goal. Grubar was outstanding as he stopped 34-35. Mikko Ranton and scored the lone goal for Colorado in Game 1. Seattle took it 3-1. Colorado answered 3-2 win. Seattle raced out to a 2-0 lead, and again, that's a theme in this series. First behind a Schultz, even strength goal, and a Tanev shorthand, and Colorado answered with uh, Miko Rantanen, Lekanen and Chuskin able to get that done. Third period, Devin Tay's goal and assist for the game winner, 12-59. We're wondering if they have found it. They came back, game 3-1-6-4. Seattle scored the first goal of the game again as Jaden Short's got a tip. Confer with a shorthanded goal off the forehand backhand move. McKinnon scored on a breakaway. That was when we covered in game three with Alec Nava. Super speed the other way. Kale McCarr made it 3-1 with a perfectly placed slapper. Kraken respond with two goals in 19 seconds before uh, Alexiak turnstiled Ranton and Benier scored off a secondary rebound. McKinnon show and Ranton and they finished it off to win 6-4 in game three. Seattle bounced back with a 3-2. McCarr got a nasty hit on Jared McCann. He was suspended for the following game. Morgan and Sprong scored. There was a penalty in the other way. McCann didn't return. We knew he was going to be out for Game 5. Avalanche top Mikko Rantanen. He had his fifth in the series. 14-0 on a great passing play in Game 4. As that continued, 19-10 was a snipe from the left dot. And an overtime shot blocked. Ended up getting a rebound and scoring again. So, that's a little bit of a recap. Seattle won 3-2 in the previous game. That's when the Cooper and I covered. Again, Seattle jumped out to the lead. And uh, without Kill McCarr, there was a press at the end for Colorado, but they couldn't win it 3 2. But when they got killed back in game six, it was all Colorado. That was the definitive game of the series where they won 4 1. Vince Dunn opened the scoring again. Of note, Seattle scored first in every single game in this series. That's six times in a row. Rantanen got a six. Johnson, Lekkonen had two. And Seattle was outshot 38 23. Eberle got a questionable hit on Cogliano over the broken neck. They got nothing on that side for the disciplinary committee, so I understand why the Avs fans would be a little bit upset about that. Ball Arena should be jumping here for Game 7, and Cooper Hopkins will be with me on that call. So, as this is fluttered through across the blue line, again, we'll be flipping over to True TV. They're able to carry this over for about 10 minutes. There's a drive to the net, and a shot goes wide. That was Posternock. That sent it into the left side post. So let me pull up the Bruins depth chart here 
and the Florida side before we end up moving over to give you this live call. I know Alec, Nava, and Ian are in on that side. As this is hit the other way, this will be offside. I was looked around and got smoked. 1927 in this OT. Again, this is not our featured game, but we do have to cover this because this is a game seven on that end. I know everybody's going to be following along. And the other day, it was Toronto exercising their demons. They took out the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they were chanting, We want Florida. Who knows what's going to end up happening with that side, because Florida has given Boston everything in this series. And here's the potential situation. You already beat Boston twice in the regular season. Look, I understand it's Atlantic Division side, and you meet four times. But if Florida does win this series, and this is the actual notes, Florida does win this series, kind of the two in regulation. It could be six victories over Boston in a given calendar year. And I think they're going to take the drill, and they're going to get some repairs here for Bobrovsky's side of the crease, as if things couldn't get any more nutty. Again, it was a score when the final minute of the third that tied this one at three. And now we're going to have to take an extra beat to make sure we get the repairs and behind the net. So let me just pull this up. We'll give you a quick reset because, again, I had double duty here today for the Waterford Sharks and now for at Seattle Kraken and Colorado Avalanche. So I'm just getting kind of getting brushed up as I just checked into this about an hour ago. But it was in the first period, it was Brandon Montour, this fourth in the par play from Anton Lindell and Sergey Bobrovsky got an apple. In the second period, it was served with a 2 nothing lead, Sam Reiner from Lister Ryan and then Lindell. Lindell already a couple points. David Krejci answered on the power play to make sure that Boston didn't go down by three. It was a 2-1 score with Krejci with his first from Orlov and Zaka. Tyler Bertuzzi on the power play, man, he's been really good. His fifth from Orlov and Krejci with 55 seconds in the third. Then it was a 3-2 lead for Boston. It was Pasta from Carlo and Krejci at 4-11. In the final minute, Montour, the second of the game, from Barkov and Verhage tied the game at three. We're just underway here in the OT of Game 7. We have two Game 7s on the NHL side. Again, the third Game 7 I'm referencing is the NBA side in between the Warriors and Kings. Now, Steph Curry dropped a 50-piece, so there's been a lot going on in today's slate of games. I will be with you in entirety on this side between Seattle and Colorado. We'll get that flipped over when that happens. I know it's coming up on True TV. When Cooper Hopkins will join me tomorrow, officially, I'll be, I believe, on my own in between the Rangers and the Devils. And that will be Game 7 Monday, about 8.15 Eastern on that side. And then it'll be a couple off days because I've been having a lot of broadcasts trying to get two done in one day here. As this is picked up across the red line now, played in off the backhand. Florida with it as they'll drop it there for Gudis. And that was deflected. And Kachuk trying to make a diving play. This is a nice windmill here for Pavel Zaka. It gets poked off the stick. Here's a breakaway for Matthew Kachuk. Oh, he was stopped by Swayman. That would have won the series for Florida. And they have it now toward the right side dot. This is wrapped around the net. Again, this is a live looking in between Florida and Boston. And now here's a combo play for Tyler Bertuzzi off the drop pass. Trying to locate it here for Marshawn as it's Gudis skating his way in. Now set up here for Nick Cousins into the deflection. Trying to tap this out of the air was Bennett. And this is now with Boston. Settle it back down is Krejci. Again, the heart rate is a little bit elevated, you imagine, between all of these fans. It's just a trip against the 
Toronto Maple Leafs on the line. Boston Bruins have been the historical best regular season team, and they've been pushed to the brink. Ekblad has it sticked away from him, but this will be dumped back in across the red line. And we get a hand in the air and offsides with 18.09 left to go in this OT. So again, this is our featured game, the Kraken and the Avalanche. We're waiting for the puck drop side. Going to give this about a couple more minutes, and then we'll jump in. I may miss a minute here, too, as I'm waiting for Cooper Hopkins. This is going to flip in on True TV, and then when this goes back, I think it goes back to TNT side. For it. It's going to go as long as it takes. Kachuk looking at the mouthpiece and on the iPad side, and he knew that he was very close. And Jeremy Swayman, I mentioned this in the particulars for the capsules in the sense of, look, you have two goaltenders that you can go to in a situation of things get ugly with Olmark. You might be battling a little bit of injuries, no problem. Insert Swayman. You're in the middle of the game seven. You get your first playoff experience as they show Kachuk's time on ice at 22.42. Played a lot of extra minutes, and it's going to be extended even more as this is in Florida's defensive end. We'll get this off the back end. Lister Reinen trying to get this now on the right side wall. And this is flipped and across the red line. Sam Reinhardt trying to get a couple... Stick checks in there with Matt Grizzlick. Is Grizzlick able to knock it away? He's going to get back into the defensive end, but I think this goes into the player's bench with 17.44. So I will be joined by Cooper Hopkins. Again, this is just a little live looking in between the Florida Panthers and the Boston Bruins before we switch over here to the Kraken and the Avalanche. Again, a couple of Game 7s on the line. I know everyone is bated breath on that side, so I will give this a couple minutes. And then flip back over. Again, no commercial breaks. You only get the momentary ice scrapages of the OT. So when we do get anything that's situated, we will move that across to you. And now the bees have it into the neutral zone draw. It's Marchand and toward the blue side. And this is picked up now. This is going to be a race for the puck. This is going to allow Boston to get a hold of this near the right side of the red line as this is recollected. Bees will put this in deep. Now Bertuzzi in on the cycle. As this goes, and this can't be kept across the blue line, when we get any sort of stoppage there, I'll move back over into our featured contest. As this is Florida, nice diving play. That was Bennett. Now Anthony Duclair. Oh, it's a good save by Swayman with the left stick. A couple of these already in the OT. Florida has certainly had their chances. As this is bounced out here for Ekblad. He'll throw this across the embroiled B. And Verhage takes a hit. He's taken out through the neutral zone now as this is just flipped into the bench. So I'm going to flip over to True, True TV right now to get this all situated, and I will get Cooper Hopkins in here. I was just giving you a little bit of the live look-in, but let me get Cooper Hopkins in. Swayman already with a couple of massive saves that kept it tied. One was on Kachuk, one was on Berhage there. we got 19.05 left to go here in our first, and again, of certain situations where this game should end before the other, we will certainly give you the live updates as this is put in. And now a shot the other way for shorts as this gets knocked away and sent in deep. So we are now back with our featured contest in between Seattle and Colorado. Cooper knows we're going to have a lot to look into today. How about double game sevens and also one in the NBA? It's two chances of nothing as Wemberg trying to get around Byram. And this is picked up by the Avs. They're going to be going right to left. And now Seattle left to right against Seattle in the road jersey. They got the road whites with the black pants. And you got the cerulean and maroon, per typical for the Colorado Avalanche. I know Cooper's going to be helping me here with Central with the second period. I don't know if I can keep the pipes going the whole way, but we will do the best that we can here with Sam Gerrard. Is 
Turbo able to throw a hit, and every time Kel McCarr touches the puck, he might get a... Uh, you're going to get some cheers here at Ball Arena, but there's going to be some reactionary Seattle fans, I imagine. Ty Cartier turns 22 today. Again, I made sure I mentioned that in the story. When Cooper and I covered the previous game on that side for five, he scored a, a ridiculous goal. As this is intercepted now, Byram's going to send this across. This is touched with the stick of Grubauer, and a couple backhanded moves the other way as Seattle try to get this ahead for Daniel Sprung, part of the fourth line out there for Dave Hextall's squad, as I will reverse my lineups. And this is sent in through the middle of the neutral zone. And this could have been a break for Seattle. Essentially, they had extra man, but not to be, as this is put in toward Rantanen. And he wired that off the left side of the crossbar. I believe almost hit the window, and it knocked sprung's uh, helmet right off his head as this is set now 720 left to go in the first John here with you alongside cooper hopkins and we will get his thoughts momentarily we are keeping eyes on ears and all these scores as it's sent across for mckinnon he just puts it to the right side boards and this will be collected here for winberg and now it's a two-on-two developing as this is a great play toward the right side of the wall. It's going to allow Seattle to just dump this thing in deep. Will Borgen will take a look at it. As this is sent him behind the net, Will Borgen skated back just a little bit too far. And we'll see if Colorado can actually move this into their own end. No, they can't. 192nd game seven. And this one falls back to Grubauer. He makes the save. Cooper, this is a big night all the way across the board, my friend. Yeah, John, uh, as as ever, it is excellent to be along with you, and uh, thank you for getting us going here. Uh, I know that uh, you were taking a peek over at the what seems to be shaping up to be almost an instant classic in Boston. Still 3-3 with about five minutes gone in overtime there. And that Game 7, we've got this Game 7 between the second-year franchise, Seattle Kraken, and the defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. And then, yeah, not to mention uh, in round ball today, the Warriors, they warriored. They took care of business against the Sacramento Kings, made that look pretty easy. And Steph Curry with a historic performance himself, uh, one of the highest scoring Game 7s for an individual in NBA history. They dropped 50 as this is a face-off win that's picked up here by the Avalanche. We have the left side dot, so we will certainly have a lot of news and notes to get to. We are keeping track of that scoring tracker on the right side of the screen as this falls back to Grubar. We're on True TV right now. We might have to flip the TNT as we get some pushing and shoving. Jay Alexiak getting some serious left-handers in there, and the ref didn't take too long to separate that. Logan O'Connor was getting fed his lunch. Yeah, John, boy, 24 in white, 25 in maroon right there. And you see Jimmy Oleksiak, uh, he is standing his ground, and that's an understatement. I'm curious to see how quickly, obviously we're just a few minutes in here, but how quickly things will escalate because uh, let's not forget a couple nights ago that hit from Everly uh, against, uh, and boy, John, it's just escaping me right now, the injured uh, Colorado Thank you very much. Yeah, he went down and had a very serious injury to his neck, and I know that these, uh, these, the blood of both of these teams is starting to boil here, my friend. Yeah, absolutely, and it was interesting the other way as Everly didn't even get a uh, bat and eye on that side. No game or anything else when Kel McCarr got one. That's certainly a contentious talking point among fan bases as this is flipped now across the Avalanche logo. Sam Gerard with a little bit of a sweep. And Seattle will do the same. Again, it's still Grubauer and Gurgiev. It's been the same goaltender all the way across the board. The reason I bring that up, it's not the same in Boston. Jeremy Swayman getting a taste of his first ever Game 7 is Nieto. That's brushed aside the puck now. That one's still 3-3. Our game's scoreless with 15.50 left to go in the first. So 
We'll make sure we keep updates on that, as this is Alexiak, played in off the backhand. And now Seattle, gaining across the red line, and they'll flip it in. Gurgiev will play this with the goal stick and leave it here for Johnson. Johnson now, try to quickly send this the other way here for Colorado. You wonder where the nerves are going to be. And again, Cooper, I'm just going to say this out loud, I think for Seattle, I don't even think you really feel any nerves at this point. You're just kind of letting the... The winds of fate take you here against the defending Stanley Cup champions, and you see where the chips are going to flow. That's certainly how I'm feeling about it. Ty Cartier in between a couple of skate blades, and this will go now here for Hunt on the fourth line side, and this is a bank pass as Mulgan will spin. He's sitting on the fourth line now. It's a little bit of line adjustment here for Jared Bednar's squad. Schultz gain the red line now. Gurgiev will play it. 15 minutes left to go in this first period. It's scoreless here. Seattle has scored first in all six games in this series, and dare I say it, they might need to make it a seven. As this is Yanni Gord off the backhand. Short side chance goes off the outside of the cage. Oliver Bjorkstrand now will spin as this is recollected here. Now Seattle will fire it right on. This goes toward the right side wall. Colorado might be able to go right to left here. In full flight, it's Nathan McKinnon. Boy, has he been an absolute wonder alongside Miko Rantanen. It's the top-tier talent that's getting the job done right now for the Avalanche. That's single-handedly got them in this Game 7. Bjorkstrand off the right glove of Gurgiev. As this is setting out to the left side red line, as it's going to be kept in, it's fluttered and toward the right side wall, where Bjorkstrand continues to get punished. He's just trying to move this puck back around the other side. Turbo will take a look at it, but this goes up into the netting. Yeah, John, let's uh, let's take a quick glance back to TBS here. We have 12.41 remaining in overtime. 36 shots now for the Boston Bruins, 30 for the Florida Panthers. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's not forget what you mentioned in brief, that, boy, a couple of absolutely grade-A golden chances for the Panthers to win this series, including by none other than Matthew Kachuk on a breakaway, and he gets stoned. And so we are still tied 3-3 here at Game 7. And, of course, we'll keep checking in as we uh, continue our featured game between the Kraken and the Avs. Thank you for that, Cooper. Again, I'm very happy to have you along because we're going to be pulling double duty on both sides. Again, I think that's our due diligence to do that today. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, uh, back here on the... Uh, True TV side, we see that close-up shot of Nathan McKinnon, and that uh, is testament to what you were just talking about. He and Ranton have really been driving the play here for the home squad. I expect that to stay the same. I know you do as well. Let's see if the Kraken can push back with that group effort, as we've seen throughout the series. Yeah, they're going to need to. Again, as they talked about it at one point, it was 15 goals by uh, 17 different players on that side. That's an actual stat. And that's what the Seattle Kraken have been able to provide. Here's a bad turnover. Dono with the spin as this gets sent the other way. This is quickly going to be raced to the left side of the red line. And Lars Eller will just dump this one in as Donato had a chance off the backhand. It's back to the fourth line for Dave Hextel's squad as Turbo trying to help out against Evan Rodriguez that threw that hit. And Colorado will move this D to D. Waiting toward the middle of the slot now, Evan Rodriguez. He got that cheeky double deflection goal off the jersey of Alexiak. In the game that we did in the game five side, we're in game seven now. 13 25. We'll have to go in the first. We are scoreless. It's three shots to one. This kind of feels like the opening to game six. Does it not? A low amount of shot totals here as Seattle scored the first before it was able to actually get a 3 2 win at the very end of it. And there was a chance that was rushed all the way down the middle of the ice that was just shot wide somehow between the left side of the red line and tried to be cleared out. 
by the Kraken. Stolen again. Nieto trying to set this up for a bomb. And Grubauer saw it all the way. He tracked it well. Yeah, and boy, that could have been a disaster for Seattle right there. But uh, Alex Newhook could not take advantage of one of the Kraken defenders actually blowing a tire in his own zone. Uh, he went sliding toward the far half boards. Newhook basically had an open lane right there, and he went wide of the net. And then on that most recent shot, great uh, glove save. Pretty standard fare right there for Grubauer, who, uh, again, John, I know we mentioned this last time we worked together, but uh, he has found that extra gear and really made some beautiful stops in this series. Yes, he has. And Florida! has upset the Boston Bruins. They're going to be playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, my goodness, John. As soon as I heard that tone of voice from you, I flipped it over, and the celebration is underway, and it is not the team in black and gold. It is the Florida Panthers in their road whites with a huge upset of the President's Trophy winners. And that curse, John, now the President's Trophy winner has lasted a decade. Every single President's Trophy winner, John, has not even made the Stanley Cup final in that period of time. 4-3, your final from TD Garden on their 31st shot of the night. It's the Panthers taking Game 7, a massive, massive upset. The Bruins are out. Carter Verhage at 8.35 with his second from Bennett and Kachuk. I'm going to keep this on for an extra minute, Cooper, before we flip back over because I just want to see the handshake line and I just want to see any kind of replay that we can get. But I'm going to tell you this right now, my friend. It was the best team ever in the regular season in the Boston Bruins. And make no mistake about it, the Florida Panthers this season have beaten them six times. What book do they have on Boston? That's incredible. I can't believe it as we are sitting here right now. I know Cooper's on mute. I want to get his thoughts to that question in a moment on that side. Racco Gudis out there with McAvoy. I mean, this was a minute left to go. Again, as we talk about it, Brandon Montour ties it up. Carter Verhage finishes at 8.35 in the OT. But how did Florida do this six times in one calendar year to Boston? Yeah, I don't know, John. In my excitement, I double tapped that mute button there. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little excited as uh, as the Florida Panthers undoubtedly are as well. But my goodness, 20 wins of all types, or excuse me, 20 losses of all yeah. types in the regular season uh, for the Bruins. Five of those to the Panthers, so 25 percent of their losses to one team. And then uh, when it comes down to it, a huge Game Seven disappointment. The fans at Boston, excuse me, at TD Garden. In Boston are stunned right now. Absolute silence as Stahl, Bobrovsky, Verhage, Kachuk make their way back down to the room where they will be celebrating. Moving on to round two. This is incredible stuff, John. Makes me think since we're going to cover Seattle here, continue their coverage between the Kraken and the Avalanche, that 116-win 0-1 team that the Seattle Mariners had, they couldn't even make it to the World Series that year. It's just sometimes you have it in the regular season, and when the postseason comes around, it's a different story. And I'm going to flip back over here. I know that they're going to flip back over on the uh, TNT side from True TV. But you're right, and I, I'm thinking about this too. I, I just really can't believe it. It might have taken me an extra beat to get my thoughts ahead of me, but I'm just going to go ahead and give you this call here at 11.45. I'll go ahead and get my thoughts together because I did have a question, but it's escaping right now, and the pure amazement is Evan Rodriguez. We'll flip this back now here for Johnson. As Colorado trying to keep this alive, it's Nieto. High slot, Rodriguez. Good opportunity, but he fired it wide. And this is recollected now by Seattle. 
Seattle. On the left side of the red line, they will gain the entry. It's Matty Beneers. Again, you think about the Calder standing for Matty. He's had a pretty good series, but it has all of the Kraken. This is a long shot. This is held. Gurgiev had to find it off a couple of hits. Colorado wanted to play it, but it's blown dead. But I, I think, Cooper, honestly, this might be the most, not just because how good Boston is, it's got to be one of the biggest upsets of all time. I know that Florida won the President's Trophy last year, but it's not the same team. And for all the Toronto fans that were chanting, we want Boston, do they really want to play Florida? <laughs> yeah, I will say this. Not the way that Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett are playing right now, because you know what? Those are two names that I'm, of course, very familiar with. You are as well. Two former Calgary Flames, they combined behind the net to retain possession while being checked by multiple Bruins. Matthew Kachuk digs the puck out from the trapezoid. Uh, Sam Bennett to the left post is able to chip it back out to Verhage, who's in the faceoff circle at the dot. He fires an absolute laser, and the reason why it wasn't saved is because Matthew Kachuk had stepped out in front, and he created a screen. So number 19 not only gets the assist, but makes a huge play on both sides of that thing, John. And it's uh, it's bittersweet for me, as I know we're still uh, underneath the action here uh, at Ball Arena, but I just wanted to give you that recap. It was Kachuk and Bennett as, wow, Grubauer makes a stick save off of the stick shaft right there. And we're getting a close-up of that thing. There's been some controversy about goalie sticks over the past couple of days. Yes, there has, and I really appreciate that recap because when I think about it the other way, Steve Eiserman sent Tyler Bertuzzi to Boston for a, a first-round pick for next year, and he's already sitting home, and you didn't even expect that. And he had a great playoff series. So I flip back over to the TNT side, so the true TV coverage is done. This is in the high slot now for Taves. And this will be an extra pass from a car as this puck is just continually being rattled around. This is recollected by Colorado, but cleared into the players' bench. We get a stoppage with 10:37. Yeah, and you know what? Seattle continues to do it by committee. A great job right there. Will Borgen goes down on a knee right there. Defender for Seattle. He got a block on that most recent shot attempt, and then uh, the puck, as you noted, was cleared out into the players' bench. So. Yep, just over 10 minutes to go here in the first, and these teams have had a couple of decent chances apiece, but uh, it's it's very familiar, John. They seem to still be feeling each other out just a touch. Yes, they are, and again, I can't get out of the back of my mind of just what we watched, and if Seattle can win this one, we could have a playoff series here, Cooper, in the first round where Boston exits, Colorado exits, and Tampa is already done. As this is a race for the puck, and this is just kept out there by Newhook. Good save by Grubar. But it's absolutely crazy what's been happening. Yeah, and I don't want to go uh, full bore yet and say that it's a changing of the guard because, uh, you know, Tampa Bay is still very, very strong yeah. in their series, but the Maple Leafs took care of business. Uh, obviously, the Avalanche here have dug themselves out of uh, what seemed like a pretty, not a deep hole, but uh, Seattle definitely had the chokehold on that series at 3-2. Uh, and, of course, they, the Avalanche have battled back here. And so a lot of these uh, teams that were familiar with making deep runs, they still have the opportunity to, but uh, tonight is going to determine a lot of that. And, of course, the Panthers win. Uh, that is uh, the, the highlight of the evening so far. Can the Kraken match it is the question. Yeah, that's the only thing bigger right now. It would be the number one and number two as far as shock value, as far as upsets. I said in the first that it would be a, a six-game series at most, and Boston wouldn't lose in the first round, but brackets are busted. It happened as this is picked up now off the skate plate, and this will allow Sam Gerrard to go ahead and get to it as Colorado will try to move this right to left as this is a chance for a new hook and it's sent the other way off the turnover 
And this will be Matty Beneers. He'll backhand this in deep. And this will allow a couple players to come together there with Ty Cartier. We will see if the 22-year-old uh, can get another big-time goal. As this is dropped in there by Eller, looking for the pass that gets deflected. This bounces off of Eberle on the first line for Hextall squad. Just kept in, stutter step. Kale McCart, who certainly got the dancing shoes on. Grubauer makes a big save, but he also got blasted as he saved it with the right glove. Yeah, that was a fantastic snare with the leather right there, and Eller runs into him in the crease right there, and now players are coming together. I know. You might have lost Cooper there for a second, so I'm just going to go ahead and mute on that side. Yeah, it was a big-time hit. We got everything squared away now, and we get a stoppage with 9.31 left to go in the first as I think the audio went a little haywire, but I think we're going to be good now. So I think we should be good now. I think the audio might have just cut out there for a second, but go ahead if I got you back. Yeah, no apologies. Yeah, it's, you know, you know, I'm good for, uh, you know, I'm good for a little bit of a technical difficulty, but yeah, I think the media timeout is well timed here because uh, the players need to take a quick breath. Uh, the physicality has ramped up as expected. I mean, it is playoff hockey after all, uh, and both of these teams so badly want this win for very different reasons. John, the Stanley Cup champs wanted to go back to back, and the upstart Kraken wanted to uh, get into the second round for the first time ever. And this, of course, their first game seven in a playoff series in their history. It's big, big stuff tonight. Yeah, we will have a lot to talk about as well for the intermission side of it because. These two teams, whoever wins, they're going to be playing the Dallas Stars, and they've shown themselves out quite well against Minnesota. they found that offense. Yeah, they have. You know, the, the Stars, I feel like uh, they're a team that we have not discussed all that much, and I don't want to say they're flying completely under the radar, but uh, we know how skilled they are, uh, mm -hmm. and I believe uh, Joe Pa is back in the mix for them with Ottinger playing beautifully in net, as is to be expected, and they're very dangerous. Yeah, I think that they could be poised for a long run. I would say maybe they don't want to play Colorado, but they handled Seattle pretty good. They won all three games in their meeting this year. Yeah, they certainly did. And, you know, it's interesting here. I see uh, Kenny Albert, who's on the call for TNT tonight, and uh, he's got those Rangers games typically. But then Eddie Olchick, uh, he's on the call with the color. And interestingly, he has joined the Kraken broadcast team, but he got the, he got the call up to the big booth for the TNT TV broadcast tonight. So uh, I, I hope that uh, John Forsland isn't having to do it by himself this evening for the Kraken. Yeah, he is one of the very best. Again, Cooper and I love to listen to him on that side. Again, I'm just able to carry this one here on TNT with you, be able to enjoy it off a little bit of a double dip. I know you're going to probably help me with the second period here just to make sure everything else is going to stay nice and sharp just in case we do have overtime in a game like this who knows if you're going to get a good classic as much as boston florida was you never know what you're going to have now nathan mckinnon in full flight as he's trying to get around will borgen keeps this alive off the backhand give this back to nathan he'll fire a quick little wrister this one gets tipped and gets set up again oh gets absolutely robbed by grubauer but it's mckinnon stays with it under the left side wall kill mccarr off the pinch and he keeps it alive. Makar still dancing with it in the high slot now. Grubauer tries to jump. This goes off his shoulder. And the first line starting to hum right now for the Avalanche. And Seattle smartly gets that out. Just a taste of what Nathan McKinnon can do, huh, Cooper, on that side. That was tremendous. 
Yeah, no question about it as McCarr sends this one up along the near wall. Here come the Avalanche again. Look out. It looks like Colorado's really pushing to get the first one. If they score first, John, it'll be the first time they do so in the series. That's definitely something to note as it's sent the other way. I thought this was going to be onside. Maybe Seattle pinched back for the reason that, that it wasn't as it's a chance now. Newhook off the drop of the rebound opportunity just goes wide to the left side of the blue. That would have been a one nothing lead for Colorado. If the rebound would have been found, eight minutes left to go in the first. They got to slow this back down, and Vince Dunn notices that. So he's going to take an extra beat with his Edmonton Oilers uh, partner normally. And Adam Larson, he's now with the Kraken alongside Vince Dunn and the St. Louis Blues. They've been excellent on that first pair as this is sent back around now for Grubauer. They'll make the pass. This gets picked off by Colorado. They're really starting to work here as Evan Rodriguez in the high slot now. Another shot opportunity gets blocked, goes back to Johnson and Byram as it's sent back around. Evan Rodriguez trying to shovel out in the middle of the slot. And this is a good drop pass here for Sam Girard as he's canceled off near the left side of the faceoff dot. Now Carson Soucy, other with Donato and Daniel Sprong as Sprong on the fourth line will get a piece of it. And now Donato we cancel off near the right side wall as this will fall back to the Avalanche. They can take an extra breath. I think so can everybody else at Ball Arena right now. Cooper Hopkins and I with you on Game 7 play-by-play -play in the Twitter spaces and YouTube. Thank you guys for joining us here today. It's been a lot of fun. There's a lot to talk about here, especially when we get the intermission. The only Game 7 for Grubauer was a loss to the Sharks in 2019. And how different is this when you see Seattle Kraken in their second year trying to dethrone last year's champs. It's been an absolutely brilliant playoff series all the way across the board. you got to love Stanley Cup playoff hockey. Nico Rantanen, he's been hot, and this was a good defense right down the middle. you got to pay for that real estate. They cancel it off as it falls to Grubauer. Wow, John, I'm actually a little surprised that there's not a tripping call right there. Maybe McKinnon blows a tire, but he was uh, at the near post there to Grubauer's right. And, uh, boy, Rantanen was absolutely flying through the neutral zone. Is on the TNT side here. We see right in the heart of the slot, Nathan McKinnon fires what had to have been a 90-plus-mile-per-hour wrister right on, and Grubauer makes his biggest save of the night. And now we see a replay of uh, McKinnon going down there. He actually collided with his teammate in Miko Rantanen, so no penalty there. It was 6.32 to go, and, John, it feels like just a few minutes ago it was three shots for Seattle and one for Colorado. Well, now it's ten for Colorado, just four for the Kraken. Yeah, and you're talking about that over the last three, four minutes, and that was exactly right in the replay that you gave. I thought there was going to be a tripping as well when I saw it. Four for eight in offensive zone draws here for the Avalanche. It certainly helped things as it's in toward the left side wall, and it seems like Seattle just kind of try to sway the momentum the other way. Again, I understand it's still scoreless, but that shot board's starting to get slanted as this is recollected now. Fourth line side here for Colorado, and this will be shot up into the netting, 6.03 to get a stoppage. Yeah, John, apologies again, just a little bit of a technical hiccup there on the Twitter Spaces side, but I think we're back in in, uh, in the good graces of our technological overlords, but uh, right now I'm just taking a look at Grubauer with that close-up from the TNT feed, and uh, he looks calm and collected. That's, of course, exactly what you want to see, and uh, he has played that way as well this evening. He's had to come up big, Colorado really making a strong push over the last three minutes or so, and uh, the Kraken haven't had much of an answer, not a lot in the way of the offense, over the past five minutes. They certainly feel like ever since they got Kel McCarr back, they've been rejuvenated and they look like the avalanche that we're used to, aren't they, Cooper? 
Yep, absolutely. I 100% agree, as is usually the case. And I know we have the play-by-play going here. I will uh, certainly jump on board for that side when we get to the second period and beyond. But here come the Avs into the Ozone. Once again, there's a wrister that's turned away by the right pad of Grubauer. Taze was the one that let that go. As This goes back now for Larson. Again, 11 shots to four, so it feels slanted right now. And again, Seattle's just kind of getting away from that momentum. They need to, as this is picked up into the defensive end. And they will spin and take their time. We have the forwards all situated here for Dave Hextall's squad. With 5.15 left to go in this first. Drawn on here alongside Cooper Hopkins. We will be switching off here in the second period. Just be able to keep these pipes sharp because I had a double duty here with the Waterford Sharks in the MIHL playoffs. And now we got Stanley Cup playoffs game seven. So if you love hockey, today's the day for it as it's collected now for Tolvanen and sent back. 4.55 left to go in this first we're at Ball Arena for game seven. Again, it's winner go home right now. Seattle trying to get a historic upset. If Florida can do it, why not Seattle? That's what they got to be thinking right now as this goes back for Gurgiev. We'll find it. Yeah, so that puck just bounces out front. Gurgiev uh, was tight to the far post, and he finds that one, covers up with the big glove, and looks like we're going to get another timeout here. So the Kraken, uh, they're, they're having a bit of difficulty, more so than in any first period, I would say, in this seven-game series, in terms of just uh, developing high-danger chances. I mean, obviously, they're going to be few and far between when you face a team like the Colorado Avalanche, but uh, I think tonight... More so uh, than any other evening, uh, the Kraken are just trying to find their footing. They're not uh, off kilter by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think you probably agree, John, but they still need to find their game uh, and, and push uh, the gas when it comes to the offense. They do, and again, on the Colorado side, regardless Game 7 or not, this is what you would expect. You want to see Colorado start to look like that better team, and boy, they did in Game 6. But, I mean, everything other than that, all the way up to 1 through 5, you could... Uh, pretty much flip a coin as far as who the better team was going to be. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I uh, just want to give a shout-out here while we have a moment uh, to our listeners on the Twitter Spaces side. We've got Big X, who's uh, joined us for some broadcasts previously. And uh, Alec is on board, along with, uh, I think, first-time listener uh, from Puyallup, Washington. Uh, so definitely a Kraken fan there. That's, uh, that's Mr. Liggett. That's uh, Jason Liggett. Bond number 2397. So thanks for joining in, guys, and uh, I hope you're enjoying tonight's game. Hopefully we'll see something from Matty Beneers. John, I don't want to blow up your spot, but uh, number 10 in white, yeah, he's a Michigan Wolverine, and he's uh, in a Chipotle commercial right now, so I had to mention him for you. Hey, I missed that one. Dang you, TNT. <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to once, I'm, once I'm not using my phone to broadcast a game, I'll have to take a, take a video of it, or, you know, maybe I'll not age myself i'll just find the youtube link and send it your way yeah, he's, he's definitely uh he's on the chipotle squad so he's uh he's getting some of that sponsorship money these days good for maddie try to get farther in the series and get that sponsorship money get it whenever you can my friend and again cooper thank you for being on this broadcast with me because i know i will need some help to the second period so we'll at least take that side and then we'll figure out the rest of the way you want to do it because i want you to have just as much of this because i know as a proud Seattleite for you, my friend, this is a huge deal. Yeah, this is a big one. I mean, obviously it was very exciting just to get the team and knowing that the Climate Pledge Arena was rebuilt. And uh, and I'll, I'll continue my thoughts on that as, uh, as a born and raised Seattleite. But yeah, with 4.40 to go here in the first, oh, there we go, we get a stoppage. So I'll just 
wrap up and say that uh, no, it's been it's been great to see this team turn around after their first year. And I think some folks kind of questioning the the draft strategies and choices of uh, GM Ron Francis. But uh, Ronnie and uh, Dave Axel, they got this crew humming right now. And, of course, they pushed uh, Colorado to a Game 7, which no one expected. No, you really couldn't. In between both series that we have for Game 7s, it'll be the last thing that you'd be thinking about, as this is Comfort now. And this will be send back in behind the defensive end. As Seattle won some pressure off of the faceoff win there, but it's Lars Eller. He gets wrapped up there by Winberg. As this goes near the right side of the wall, as there's a huge hit against one of the Kraken that was sent flying like a bowling pin, and there's no exaggeration as Yanni Gord gets a chance to dump this one in. The towels start the wave at Ball Arena. You're definitely sensing the moment, even though we're still in the first period. Everybody knows what's at stake right now. I don't think Colorado expected to be at this moment, but as we talked about, this is not the National Predators of last year. And now here's a chance as Gurgiev able to. Brush that away at the left side of the stick. Seattle gets the first offensive zone pressure in a while. And they'll throw this back to D, but nobody was home. And this will go back to Grubar with 345 left to go in the first. John Under with you alongside Cooper Hopkins. This is game seven. We had a pair of those, and we also had one in the round ball side. As Cooper Hopkins said as Steph Curry dropped a 50-piece, so a lot of work here today as far as intrigue. And then tomorrow will be the Rangers and the Devils. I'll make sure I'll be on that one before a couple of off days because I'm going to need those. As this is sent the other way for Sam Gerrard, and Gerrard will flip this in across the red line. Touch it with the goal stick. Grubauer will fall back and make the save. Okay, John. So uh, this is this is not something that we've talked about with any specificity. I, I feel like I know where you lean with this. Obviously, you're so good with your uh, your playoff capsules. You know uh, what your opinions and thoughts are. You're uh, you're a data driven guy. I, I know that uh, we both liked the Avalanche uh, during the regular season, even though they struggled briefly. They found their way back up to a lofty position. I think once we get to our next break, that might be our first intermission, but we might have to get into our predictions because it looks like, uh, for tonight's game, in terms of the final score and the outcome of the series, but it looks like, based on the play so far, that we're going to head into the break at 0-0. Both these teams are at a bit of a stalemate. They are right now. Here's Kel McCarr with a wave. He's going to shoot it to the left side dot, and that was a great save the other way. Miko Ranton and get this across for Devin Taze. Almost lost in between the skates. Here's Miko McKinnon. Oh, it hit the outside of the cage. And then it also broke the stick of Daniel Sprong. As he's going to have to go back, go get a twig. And that was all of McKinnon as he also wraps up one of the Kraken. And it's absolutely madness now for Nathan McKinnon. Bringing the crowd to his feet. And now Will Morgan gets lacking in. It's just lawn chairs everywhere. Bjorkstrand takes a hit. And I might lose my voice if this keeps up as this goes down here for Gerard. Here's Pinball Wizard. And this is sent back the other way. And this will be picked up now for the abs. As that was electric toward the right side dot off of the spin. Wait and cross pass. And that was a little too far for Newhook. Good block the other way for Seattle. What action we had over the last two minutes. That was tremendous. As this is picked up across the red line now. Off the drop pass. Newhook. Trying to send this across. It's a fluttering one. And the high slot now off the spin. It's a chance for Byram. Byram now will pivot. The left side wall. Alexiak will come together off the hold. Alongside Carson Soucy. Colorado continues to get some extra puck possession here. As there's a stick that's on the ice and toward the high slot. But this gets picked off. And this really had to be for Seattle. They felt like they were about to be submerged. As this goes in across the red line. 
flipped in around the embankment off the inboards, and this will go back to Sam Gerard. Gerard with a long outstretched pass from 100 feet, able to catch this one on sides is Evan Rodriguez. With a minute 25 left in the first, players goes down near the left side of the red line. Rodriguez goes in to finish a check as this is kept in by Kale. Now to the right side, Dot let a flutterer go, and this one gets blocked out in front. It goes back to Kale, fake the pass, and the slap shot gets fanned on the other way as that was a bullet dodge for Seattle. Manny Benier is starting to get submerged as this one gets sent down off of the flip. This will go to the abs. They've had a minute left to go in the first. It's 13 shots to six. As this is Evan Rodriguez, long shot. This one gets played by Grubauer. Doesn't elect to hold. And an outstretched pass goes up the right side of the wall. Be a race for it, but it's going to be iced against Seattle. Man, that was ridiculous. Yeah, that was a crazy sequence, John. And we're talking, I mean, the sequence is not just 10 seconds. We're talking about an entire shift where Nathan McKinnon was absolutely in charge of this hockey game. It's a surprise that he didn't score, but uh, he did about everything else. He had possession, great passes, multiple hits. And, uh, yeah, Daniel Sprong got his stick shattered. I think that's the only reason why this thing's not one nothing right now. Man, they're showing some of the Nathan McKinnon work right now. Do you want speed? Do you want hits? you want shots? Playmaking? You got it all here for Nathan. He's an absolute superstar. They also got Kel McCarr. Bowen Byram! That took a crazy hop, but I actually think it hit the left pad of Grubauer. And this will go back to Bowen now. Again, you got Bowen Byram, you got Devin Taze, and Kel McCarr. You got three of the best young defensemen. And Kel McCarr won the Norris Trophy and the Conn Smythe last year. Here's Nathan McKinnon. Great move. Set up. What a wrist shot! And I don't even know how Grubauer saw it, but he made the save. McKinnon is on lock right now. Yeah, John, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. It should be one nothing right now, and, and and Grubauer makes an absolutely miraculous save. I'm not sure if that puck just hit him because of solid positioning. We've talked about that in many games that we've covered. Obviously, Grubauer has that down, or else he wouldn't be an NHLer. But my goodness. McKinnon is on another level, and I got to say, with 25 and a half seconds to go in the first, I think the Kraken are just trying to get back to the room right now and regather themselves. I would agree wholeheartedly on that side. Lars Eller can't win the draw. That is good news for Seattle, but let's see if they can clear this one out. Played in off the backhand, it was Eller again as this one gets picked off all over Bjorkstrand. You think they're just going to make the safe play, and they'll dump this in the left side of the red line. This is a chance for Seattle. This will be flipped in toward the right side dot. Fired from a severe angle as Bjorkstrand down to two seconds. That's going to end the first period. It feels like it shouldn't be 0-0, and it kind of felt toward the last five minutes, Cooper, that that was all Colorado. Yeah, I uh, I think we are on the same page in that book right now, and uh, you said it. You said the Kraken, it seemed like they were about to be completely submerged, and if it weren't for the stick shaft of Daniel Sprong and, and a really fantastic save. I mean, Grubauer has already, I would say, four or five, you know, yeah. ten bell saves in just this first 20 minutes as we hit the break here, John. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, jumping on the play-by-play -play when we get back into the action. But I'm just glad that not only for both you and I, especially you, but uh, for the Kraken in particular, I'm sure the Avalanche want to just keep going. But Seattle, I think, needs to uh, sit down in front of their lockers and uh, maybe go over the whiteboard a little bit because uh, they are hanging on by a thread, my friend. Yeah, this is the first time in the series, if you're not counting Game 6 and the side of Game 7 now where we are after one period where it's scoreless, where 
This has started to look like the advantage that we thought it would be to start in this series. No disrespect to Seattle whatsoever. We know everything that they've done in the regular season. We've been waiting for the Avalanche to look like the Avalanche, and they're starting to do so now. What were the points that you wanted to hit going into this intermission? I'm interested to hear from you. Well, okay, you know what, first of all, since we talked about it so much, and I know when we started this game between the uh, Avs and the Kraken, we were still wrapping up things from Boston, and uh, that Game 7, boy, John, I'm going to remember that that one for a while, and not just because uh, selfishly, you know, I love still seeing, uh, I still love seeing Matthew Kachuk succeed, and, and Sam Bennett, who's, of course, been away from the Flames for a couple of seasons now, but they are firing on all cylinders, and they take down the President's Trophy-winning Boston Bruins, let me just break down that game really quickly, just in terms of uh, of the reset. So the final score, of course, 4-3 in overtime. Uh, the Bruins fall to the Panthers. Uh, your goalies were Sergei Bobrovsky, who uh, saved 33 of 36 shots. And uh, Jeremy Swayman for the Bruins saved uh, 27 of 31 shots. It was actually Brandon Montour who was one of the heroes of this game and really of this series. He had, Johnny had five goals in the series, the defenseman for Florida. Uh, he scored on the power play to open the game, and then Sam Reinhardt made it two-zip Florida in the second period early in. Then David Krejci scores to cut that lead in half. That was his first of the series on the power play. Uh, then Bertuzzi, with his fifth of the series, ties the game at 2-2. And then Pasta, off a huge rebound off of Bobrovsky's right pad. It was a shot that came from the blue line. It ricocheted way out, even to the top of the right circle. And Pasta, he found it, fired it, hit the back of the net, and it was 3-2 Boston Bruins. And then guess who ties the game with a minute left in regulation? Brandon Montour, again, his second of the game, with assist to Verhage and Barkov. And uh, the reason why I mentioned Verhage, John, we made the call. In fact, you did in real time, in overtime, eight and a half minutes in. It was Ver Verhage from Kachuk and Sam Bennett, as we discussed. That was his second of the series and the biggest one uh, it, I would say of the first round. We've had a great first round in the NHL this year, but man, that series was one to remember. And again, I want to make this point. This isn't just to drive the needle. You lost Mackenzie Weger if you're Florida. It's pretty nice on the other end when you got Brandon Montour. Hey, do you want to get top ice time? That's exceptional by him. Yeah, no question about it, and that's the kind of play that makes a difference uh, when, when the playoffs come around. And you, you need people that are, you know, and listen, we know the name Brandon Montour, we know what he brings to the ice, and, and he is absolutely worthy of respect as a, as a defender in the NHL, but, man, he turned on the offense at uh, the absolute most opportune time for the Panthers. And that was the one thing that we can talk about in the series. I know Alec and uh, Ian that are in here, appreciate you guys. You guys actually covered that one. We ended up catching that late as we got into our featured coverage. But, yeah, I mean, it's a situation where... Florida lost a lot of secondary goal scoring. You're just able to get back Anthony DeClaire, Reinhardt, Bennett, and then you get a chance to get Montour. Verhage has been an absolute beast alongside Kachuk. And they did something. I'll just throw my hand up in the air, even though you guys can't see it. I'll do it on the YouTube side. I didn't call it. I'm not the smartest man in the world. I love to cover everything. But there is no way on earth I would have picked the Panthers against the Bruins, considering everything. Yeah, and, and considering that, John, uh, just a number of weeks ago, I think you and I both thought that Florida was pretty safely out of the playoff picture, and now we're talking about this uh, as we are on the cusp of May 1st. I mean, what a night 
uh, in the NHL. And uh, I'll roll right into uh, this big game seven that, of course, we're covering tonight as well. So here's my question for you, my friend. Uh, I was discussing with uh, a buddy of mine a little earlier, basically just the uh, kind of final score predictions. And I had to do my best. I really had to fight against the homer deep down inside of me. Uh, as, as much as I wanted to say that the Kraken would win this thing 4-3 in overtime, I think about the types of games that we've seen in the series, uh, 3-1, 3-2. I mean, obviously we have the outlier, I think uh, 6-4 was, yeah. uh, was the highest total, uh, so 10 goals in that one game a few nights ago. Uh, but, John, I, I, now I'm not just saying this because of the way the first period went. Uh, I, I, have, I have text evidence, I have the receipts. Uh, I went with uh, a 4-2 victory for the Colorado Avalanche. I believe that it would be 2-1 Avs for a good chunk of the game, and then it would be 3-1 with a second goal coming late by the Kraken, but then the push would not be enough, and the Avs would uh, break away or uh, or hit the empty net to make it 4-2. Do you think I'm on track with that? Do you, see, do you think that seems reasonable, or do you think it's going to be a one nothing game tonight the way it's been going? I think he hit the nail on the head to be completely honest with you. And if the only way I can counter that without picking your exact same score, I'm going to go ahead because Grubauer's already made a couple of great saves. I'm going to say 3-1 Colorado in Game 7. Yeah, I think I think uh, I, I hope it's yours because, uh, you know, listen, as much as I'd love to see the Kraken score a bunch tonight and get the big victory, it just seems like the tide has turned a bit. And, and let's be honest, uh, a few nights prior, excuse me, just a couple nights prior in Seattle, Colorado really had the run of play. I yeah. know that Seattle opened the scoring yet again, but the Avalanche basically controlled that game from about halfway through the first through the end of the, regular, of, uh, the third period. No, they did. And again, we're starting to see the, the twist knob and everything else started to turn their way, and we're going to wonder and see what ends up happening. Let me get your thought of the next Game 7 for tomorrow, and then I want to get to a Maple Leafs point. So, Rangers-Devils, you texted me this, and I should have countered back with a shoulder shrug. You said, I don't know which way this is going to go, and I'm right there with you, my friend. But what are your thoughts for a Game 7? Well, talk about, talk about the, most, the most difficult setup of, of at least our first intermission here. I mean, you and I went over this when we, uh, when we covered the Kraken game a, a couple of nights ago. The Rangers looked like they were in full control of this series. They, they went up two zip uh, and made it look easy. Right, we we saw that five one victory, and then all of a sudden the Devils come roaring back, and they lead in the series. We both thought, and I think reasonably thought, that okay, well, wow, New Jersey's really uh, taking a hold of this thing. They're not going to relinquish that grip, and uh, good luck next year, New York. Uh, but I guess, I guess the Rangers had other ideas because my goodness, they came back with uh, a really solid and pretty much unquestioned five two victory there, never in doubt, and. The reason why I keep uh, avoiding the prediction, John, is because I don't know if I can make one. If I have to, if I have to, and the Devils are technically favored, so if we're looking at Vegas, we have to say that the Devils minus 120 expected to win a narrow one. I think that the Reina, here's part of the justification I have for the Avalanche uh, in my prediction, is simply their playoff experience, the fact that they have been weathered, they've, they've fought through the storms, um, and of course they've lifted the cup. The Rangers have come very, very close to getting to that hallowed ground. I think that just because of that experience, and of course they're a different team, right? We have new pieces there, but they're also playoff-tested pieces. We're talking about the Patty Canes of the world, right? Uh, we're talking about the Tarasenkos of the world. I think that that team has gelled enough 
to on the road, quote unquote, right? We're still in the tri-state area. I think that they're going to win tomorrow, and I think they're going to win pretty solidly. I'm going to pick the exact same score. 4-2. I think they're going to jump out to an early lead. I think the Devils will get a couple back just because they have that offensive talent, but I don't think that they're going to make it close, and uh, that's my call. I'm going to go right there with you. I'm going to repeat the score line from Game 6. I'm going to say 5-2 Rangers. So Akira Schmidt, it was uh, three goals in two games with a shutout. I mean, the dude looked like Martin Brodeur incarnate for a couple games, and then he gave up a five-spot. It was 24 out of 29 in the 5-2 win in the convincing side where the Rangers' blue shirts looked more like their game 1-2 counterparts in game 6. So I'm going to repeat that scoreline. I'm going to say 5-2, and the blue shirts get it done. Again, I said this to you openly at the very beginning of it. We did this weeks before with all the matchups. I said Rangers in 5. That looked pretty good, but they were up 2 nothing. but the Devils with 3 straight. I thought they were going to lay the smackdown. Now it's Game 7. I will have the coverage tomorrow about 8.15 Eastern, but give me a 5-2 for the Blue Shirts. Yeah, tough to argue with that one. Then, of course, watch the, watch the whole thing get flipped on its head again. Yes. The, Devils just, <laughs> the Devils just come out uh, blazing, and then, you know, like, let's let's find some 7-3 victory for New Jersey tomorrow, and we'll just, we'll just tuck our tails between our legs and, uh, you know, pretend like we didn't say anything. Uh, that's all you can do sometimes with some of these predictions. You try to think about what's the better team, but again, tell me how many people actually picked the Bruins on that side, which I imagine a lot of that was going to be chalk. And just like the NCAA tournament that we had a couple months ago here, Cooper Hopkins has been upsets of plenty, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it certainly has. Speaking of fun, I, I mean, this is totally selfish. And uh, let's step aside when it comes to the NHL just for a moment. Let's put that on pause, but let's still talk hockey. I'm curious how things went for the Waterford Sharks there in the in the, the great state of Michigan today. How things go? Uh, how's the playoff run? What's the, what's the latest with uh, your other squad? So I'll give you the short version here for everybody. So it's the best of three here for the Sharks. They won both games. We were able to get both broadcast Saturday and Sunday. So the finals should be two weeks from now. Those are best of five. So we'll be able to get two or three more broadcasts in. It's been a lot of fun. And I, I know I texted you the other day, but here's the short version of it. We were up the top of the red rink on that side, and we were up in a scaffolding where I actually had to climb up on a uh, step ladder to be able to see up the top part of it. That's no exaggeration. My feet and everything else were very sore, and at least for uh, today, or the early side, we were able to go up in the stands and we get a sideline view just normally alongside everybody else. Dropped the microphone right back to me outside with the video, and everything else here was much better for the secondary part, but it's all about internet access. That's the only way that you can get everything going up on YouTube. So, very sore yesterday. I'm feeling it better today. I had to take a little bit of about an hour and a half cat nap to get ready for this game because I think the pipes and everything else are about to shut down as soon as I write the game story. <laughs> so, it was a good weekend. I don't know if we have another audio side on that, but I, know it's, I still got Cooper with me. So it was a good weekend on that side, and we'll be back for about two and a half weeks to finish that off. We'll see who the opponent's going to be, because the other side's got to play a decisive yeah, game. Uh, John, I want to say uh, I'm, I'm <clears throat> impressed by your commitment to the craft, my friend. Uh, jumping up on the ladder, uh, that's that's first. I, I mean, you know, we're willing to do whatever it takes to, uh, to, to get the call in, <laughs> but uh, that's impressive, buddy. Well done. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun as we are watching some of. And I hope the... I'm not uh, as we were talking about uh, getting internet access. I hope I'm not uh, too lost on the broadcast right now. I might be having a little bit of a connectivity issue. Let me know if you're still getting me. Sorry about the hiccup here. 
No, we, we should be good now. I think I can hear you on that side. Should, shouldn't be any issues. We'll figure out the second period. If not, I can pick this all back up, but I was going to have Cooper take this second just to conserve everything here for Monday. I wanted to throw this out there, too, just in case if you could still hear me on that side. Well, we know Toronto is advanced and Tampa's done. What do you think about the Florida-Toronto series? What do you like on that end? So we'll get him back in there on that side. I know there's some connection issues. Alec knows about that as far as the college side. I appreciate you guys uh, following in on that end. But I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there as we're taking some looks with uh, Jackie Redman on NHL Network. I kind of like this series in between Florida and Toronto. I'm not going to lie. It's, just, it's a sense of where both teams, I think, can score a ton of goals. And uh, if Florida can do this to Boston, who's to say they can't do it against Toronto? You would think from the onset that this might be an easier matchup for the Maple Leafs. But you've got to be careful for what you wish for on that end of it. But if Cooper's back in here now, I just want to get your thoughts. What do you think about Maple Leafs and Panthers? What do you like about that series? And who are you going to take? Yeah, first of all, apologies. Uh, I love the irony of you uh, talking about the <laughs> internet access and connectivity, and then all of a sudden uh, I, I drop out on my side. But at least we're during, uh, here during the intermission. So try to get these all shaken out and, uh, and, and get some consistency going. But you know what? When it comes to the Maple Leafs and the Panthers, this is a tough one because the Panthers, all of a sudden, if, you're, if you have the ability in Game 7 uh, on the road against the President's Trophy winners, if you have the ability to take down a squad like that, what can't you do? Right. Now, on the other side of that coin, John, so I'm sort of, this is kind of a semi-rhetorical question. Do you think that a type of victory like the one the Panthers garnered tonight, is that sort of the climb into the top of the mountain for them. Um, you know, obviously they're professionals. Of course the goal is the Stanley Cup. But when you do something against Boston after the historic season they had, uh, that's a feather in your cap regardless of whatever happens from here. Even if they're swept by the Maple Leafs. I mean, the, the Panthers can always hang their hat on a huge, huge upset of the Bruins. So that's my that's my debate sort of in my own head. Um, and we see this sometimes, you know, in college football, right? A team will uh, upset a top five, uh, you know, unranked against the top five. They, they get the upset, and the next week they come back and fall flat against the team they should beat. Um, if the Panthers can avoid that mentality, if they can avoid that outcome, I think they have a great chance. I think it's going to take seven again because Toronto, I'm sure, is very, very motivated. Now that they've broken that seal that's been holding them back since 2004 uh, to get to the second round, I think that they are uh, they're out for blood regardless of who's in front of them. So they're very dangerous. But, you know, I like the Panthers to keep running. I think they might take it in seven. You know, I think that's a good call by you. And on that side, I do agree with your point. Is there some type of emotional drain for Florida, at least in the two games where Toronto can essentially jump them, maybe get out to an early series lead, and potentially try to bury Florida before they can ever get started? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, you know, but, but Toronto, seriously, when, when they are able to uh, change their fortunes after they've been so not downtrodden, but just uh, just held back by <laughs> some of their own play in the playoffs uh, after all of these years, almost two full decades. Uh, you got to think that the motivation is going to be there. Um, I mean, it's going to be fascinating as the, the bracket starts to take shape here in the second round. And obviously, we had the Oilers finishing things off uh, in Los Angeles. I know the Kings were your pick, John. How do you feel? Uh, you must be. Uh, 
you must be. Not, I think you're probably okay with that outcome, even uh, though you pick Los Angeles. What do you What do you think, pal? Hey, like I said, I got uh, seven out of eight last year. It's looking more like five out of eight this year. I didn't pick a lot of chalk, but I'm okay with it. I tried to give some people some shockers in there and mix what I thought. It's It's been a pretty good playoff series. I'm okay with it, and I think a lot of fans. If we were going to forecast this ahead, I might just be Canadian side of it, but I think a lot of people want to see Toronto and Edmonton in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, that would be a, that would be a, a fascinating matchup, not only just because of strategy and the skill on both sides, uh, both of those teams, but it would be, uh, I believe, the first time since, gosh, was it, I think 1993, it would be the first time that a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup. Am I correct? Yes. Um, that's like, because the yep. last one was the uh, Montreal Canadiens with Patrick Waugh. That's right, yeah, it was 93, and then, of course, that uh, that famous year in 94 with Messier and the Rangers winning. Um, yeah, that takes me way, way back, uh, too far back, longer than I'd like to admit. But, no, that would be an incredible series, uh, an all-Canadian series. Uh, our neighbors to the north, John, would be, uh, would be doing backflips. That's pretty much ideal. Yeah, I think they would. And, again, here's the part of the backflip side of it. It's Vegas and Edmonton. I think that's going to be a great matchup. Yeah, and again, I mean, listen, we could do this all night. Uh, I know we still have a couple minutes left in our break here before uh, before I jump on that play-by-play. But Vegas and Edmonton, another hard one to pick. I know it, it seems like such a cliche thing to keep saying, oh, it's a tough one, oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> it is a tough one. Uh, the Knights were the best in the West this year, and the Oilers made a push. They were close to the best in the West this year, and they got hot at the right time, right? They, they hung on, they hung around, they improved their position in the standings at the right time of year, and it was the Knights, the Kings, and the Oilers uh, just jockeying for position in that Pacific division, but ultimately in the West as well. Uh, and man, oh man, now they're going to meet in the playoffs I don't know, my friend. I mean, I think that I'm on board with probably the bandwagon with more fans and media thinking that the Oilers are going to keep rolling, but the Knights are definitely not a team to get pushed around. So I'm going to just keep my own uh, dialogue as we jump into this second period. TNT not giving us much of a warning here, but we're already 10 seconds into the second. This is a 0-0 game at Ball Arena in Denver. And here comes a 2-on-2 for the Kraken as they chip and chase here. 16 shots for Colorado, just 6 for the Kraken. That's a little uncharacteristic as they have had pretty successful first periods throughout these six games and change so far. But uh, the Avalanche, boy, led by Nathan McKinnon, just on another level right now. Let's see if they can continue their momentum in this middle stanza. So speaking of McKinnon, he's on the ice right now as the puck bounces behind Grubauer. The Avalanche wearing the Cerulean Maroon. They're moving left to right in the second. And the Kraken in the white with navy and teal-ish, I guess you would say, kind of that blue water blue on the sleeves they're moving right to left so a minute is gone here cooper hopkins now on the play-by-play on twitter spaces alongside john ott and the avalanche uh, continuing what we saw in the second they are possessing in the ozone right now and walking the blue line so right there there's a turnover here come the crack in the other way yanni gord holding the puck wearing the a on his chest one of the assistant captains of the visitors and he's not able to hold possession and the avalanche will take over in the ozone so right now the Avalanche are going to chase down on the trapezoid, but the Kraken are going to chip this one along. Could be an icing here. We'll see. But no, it's called off as the Avs are able to chase it down. And Vince Dunn finally gets off. He was on for the entire first 90 seconds of this period. Morgan Geeky with a bit of a forecheck right now. The Kraken 
with a successful forecheck uh, throughout this series, but they're unable to hold the puck, and it's picked up by the Avs. Now Newhook has it at the near half board. He's going to fire this one. Actually just goes wide in the far post. That was a seeing-eye shot that missed by about six inches. So the Avs have the puck now backhanded along through traffic. It's bouncing in the slot. Now a shot, a rooster, and the rebound goes just wide. Boy, fans up on their feet here at Ball Arena. They thought that one was headed for the net, and so did I, but it stays 0-0. So that one's going to be tossed back in right there by Johnson of the Avalanche, and now the puck will bounce to the center red line near the penalty boxes where it's backhanded all the way down to Gorgiev. So he leaves it right there for Newhook, and he will take this puck, excuse me, Gerard. Gerard will take this puck up through his own blue line into the neutral zone. Going to send it up to the far wall with 17.30 to go here, and that puck sent right on to Grubauer. He gets a, a snow shower right through the mass, but the Kraken come away with it. They're going to go 45-degree angle to the far corner. So it's picked up in the trapezoid with some traffic in front. Matty Benier skates through the crease. He couldn't get a pass. Now it's going to be sent back to the blue line, and a shot from there is deflected off of a leg, and it'll be covered up for our first stoppage of the second period by Gorgiev at the top of the blue paint. Man, that was a chance for Colorado when it rushed the other way. Nathan McKinnon, a rebound opportunity as the snow job was literally called on your end. Should have been a goal that was very close, and then a short side chance for Matty Beniers. Able to get the hold and stoppage that, again, I think Seattle really needs. Yeah, you know what I've liked so far from Seattle is the play of Will Borgen, number three in white. He is, uh, of course, one of the defensemen for the Kraken, and he has a block tonight, a couple of nice passes, and then he uh, put a nice shot in from the blue line. So let's keep an eye on his ice time and his activity. So I've liked his con contribution so far. And there's a snapshot that goes off the crossbar. Unbelievable. That's from Bjorkstrand. He was an inch away from making it one zip, John. So now the puck up to the blue line. That one goes through traffic bouncing to Gorgiev's right to crack and all of a sudden come to life. Now they have the puck, and this one's going to be nicely stick-checked away and will be turned back by Bjorkstrand. He is actually able to keep possession after having the puck knocked off of his stick. So about three minutes and ten seconds gone here in the second. The Kraken now with possession. Here's Yanni Gord up top. He's going to send this one ricocheting off of the far boards, and it's sent back around. It rattles on the kick plate. Gord has it one more time. Going to try to chip it to the near corner. He gets it to a teammate that is held right there by Bjorkstrand. Now bouncing in front, John, the puck's in the net. It's one nothing Kraken off of multiple bodies. And the Kraken, for the seventh game in this seven-game series, score first, one nothing Seattle. That is absolutely unbelievable, and it's turbo. Brandon Tanev is the one that's celebrating. I know it wasn't the exact angle, but... Didn't it look like Morgan Geeky from Game 6? Bjorkstrand with a hellacious effort, spins, throws a fluttering backhand, goes double deflection off Ben Myers and over the back of Gurgiev, and it's one nothing Seattle. Boy, well, great breakdown by you, and you really highlighted the biggest part of that sequence, and that was Bjorkstrand drawing two of the avalanche. Johnson and Newhook paying attention to the puck holder, and that's Tanev, who I actually don't think made contact with the puck. I think this is going to get credit to Bjorkstrand, because the puck bounced off of two abs and into the net. It's one zip. I think so, too. Now I get a chance to look at it again. Nobody's going to care about who takes the points right now. It's a one nothing lead for Seattle for the seventh time. I can't believe it. Every game they've scored first. Boy, and very interesting and a, a, a tie-in to what we've been talking about, John. The Kraken now only the second team in NHL history to score first in all seven games of a seven-game series. The only other team, the 2004 Toronto Maple Leafs against the Senators. So that's an interesting <laughs> note in history right there. They're crediting currently Brandon Tanev 
with his second goal of the series. We'll see if that stands up, but I think it's going to go to Bjorkstrand upon further review. But right now, the Kraken just going to keep wheeling and dealing. There's a shot on from a tough angle right there. And the that was from Schwartz, by the way. And now the Avalanche are going to try to carry this one down. It's Rodriguez, but he's unable to hold. And that puck slides to Grubauer, where he's going to drop off for a teammate. So the Kraken are picking up right here in their own zone. That's Schultz. He's going to look for that stretch pass but he can't connect and here come the abs the other way with speed through the neutral zone boy just unchecked to the middle of the ice right there and here comes Rantanen number 96 in Cerulean Maroon keep an eye on him he got hot a couple of nights ago in the Emerald City so 15 minutes and 25 seconds to go here in the second Cooper Hopkins and John Ott with you thanks for joining us on Twitter spaces as here come the Kraken with a fresh one nothing lead and uh, they now are going to try to extend this thing. We'll see if they can get some more ozone time, but at the moment, they don't have the puck. They're trying to check that one away and actually are able to do so. A nice one-handed stick check right there by Yanni Gord, and the puck will bounce up and into the benches, so we'll get a stoppage. Boy, John, things have really picked up there, haven't they? Yeah, we've been waiting for Seattle to start to turn the pressure the other way as we get another look at this. I mean, you couldn't even do that in a pinball game on that side in Seattle, they're just getting in the right areas. They're throwing in the dirty areas, getting in between the crease, finding a way to get their goals. There is no cheapies here for Seattle. Yeah, you're absolutely right, boy. If Bjorkstrand, if we replayed that, if we uh, went chat GPT and tried to run that scenario <laughs> a thousand times, it probably only happens that once. His Myers elbow for Colorado was just in the right position to gain a little bit of a deflection and pop that over the blocker of Georgiev for goal number one tonight. So looking for goal number two again are the Kraken. They have the puck right now in the trapezoid. The stick of Donato goes down to the ice, but he's able to pick it up. Now it's one-on-one -on -one the other way. Boy, the Kraken really active sticks here in the first five minutes or so of this second period. Good defense. They're able to knock the puck away from the Avs, but they get it back once more. The home team now drops it. There's a snapshot that goes well wide of Grubauer's net. Coming back the other way on a partial two-on-two are the Kraken. Now it's going to be taken to the slot on the backhand right there. And handcuffing Gorkiev was a shot from Denot, excuse me, Everly. Everly with lucky number seven on his back. He looks for the puck and finds it at the near half wall. Tries to backhand it to a teammate, but the avalanche will intercept and float this one back out to neutral ice. But it's taken up by the Michigan man. Here comes Matty Beniers, drops it off. Now the Kraken will fire this one. It's bouncing in the slot again off of bodies from the avalanche to the Kraken. Back to the avalanche now, floated back down the ice all the way. Going to be picked up here by Susie, so Carson Susie finds that one to look for the stretch pass. Now Matty Benier's still out on his shift. He's got it on a three-on-three. -three. He's going to dipsy-doodle and drop this one back to the blue line. That one bounces off the boards behind the net. 13.40 to go here, 17 shots Colorado. One goal in for the Kraken on 10 shots. And holding the puck right now is none other than number eight, Kale McCarr, for the Avs. He sends this one down to Rantanen. Now Rantanen goes cross ice. The Avs have it in the O-zone. Going to try to find it. Editorial Grubauer, but that one is deflected off of the skate. It's back to the far point. Now McKinnon up top. He's going to run everything when he's on the ice. He finds McCarr in the near corner. The Avalanche with a little bit of extended zone time here. They're first in several minutes. And the puck is back down low to McCarr. He's going to snap this one across. And there is a, a sweet shot, John. That's off of the post, I think. Grubauer's movement left to right knocks the net off of its moorings, and it stays out. Boy, Grubauer is absolutely standing on his head. It stays one nothing. How the heck did Grubauer slide over to the right post and make that save? 
I will be honest, as we hit our first uh, media timeout during this period, I was preparing myself to call tie game right there. That was a ripper to the near post, and Grubauer somehow squeezed up against the pipe, and he keeps it out. That was impressive. Yes, it was. I know we talked about goaltending throughout this series, and rightfully so. Gurgiev had a really good game six. Right now, Gurgiev doing well in this game seven, but Philip Grubauer just a notch above. And we're going to see if that continues right now, because I'm not going to say Philip Grubauer put himself in the doghouse alongside Martin Jones, but as we discussed, it was an 8.85 save percentage, and now Grubauer's kind of worked his way up toward a 9.25. And as you literally said in Game 5, it's like getting a trade deadline acquisition as far as getting a goalie. That's how much it's changed. So we'll see if that continues. And the other thing that caught my eye, I hope that I'm not speaking this into existence, but when I look at the team stats, my friend, no power plays either way just yet. You know what, though? When it comes down to it, I'm actually fine with that. And not only because <clears throat> I can say that, of course, as soon as the words left my mouth, I, I'm of course, aware of the fact that the Kraken, really throughout the regular season uh, and into the playoffs, one of, if not, and you might have to remind me here, John, I think the best and most successful in terms of goal scoring team uh, in five-on-five play was yeah. the Seattle Kraken. So, selfishly, yeah, hey, yes, the this, this Seattle kid would love to see more more five-on-five uh, -five hockey because that's where the Kraken thrive. But also, aside from that, I think both of these teams are so skilled with uh, the full contingent of players on the ice, uh, let's let them play. As long as they can play within the, the rule set, as long as they can keep it fair, uh, and of course they're going to push the boundaries, it's the NHL playoffs, but as long as they can keep it as clean as, as they can, well, let's go, five on five, and just uh, and let's see who the winner is, you know? Yeah, we're speaking this into existence, I think, from the TNT side. It says 0-3 in Game 7s for Nathan McKinnon, no points in three Game 7s, so I think that's going to change. I think so, too. I think uh, the way he's played tonight, it's not if, but when. And uh, who knows? It'll be an assist. It'll be a goal. But he's going to contribute uh, on the stat sheet. And there's a nice, clean offensive zone win. I thought that shot was in from the top of the circle, but it went just wide of the far post. Bounced off the kick plate from behind Grubauer. And boy, McCarr really moving quickly now. This top line, this top pairing for Colorado, making big moves. And here's McKinnon with a near side shot. It was kind of a shot pass. And it was deflected wide of the net. Grubauer in good possession again. Now here comes the puck. It's a partial breakaway and a goal for the Seattle Kraken. It is Bjorkstrand again. And surprise, surprise, John. 2 nothing Seattle. I thank goodness I just turned my mic on that I didn't scream. Oliver Bjorkstrand with the breakaway lift over Gurgiev. That was a great outlet pass. Nathan McKinnon just gets denied to the right side of the post. And the Kraken shovel this out. I think it was Wenberg. And then Bjorkstrand off to the races. That is a perfect shot and a 2-0 lead for Seattle. Oh my goodness, Bjorkstrand getting closed down by one of, if not the best defenders in all of hockey. He times his shot and places it perfectly up over the glove, post and in. John, it's 2 nothing, Kraken. Now we've seen the Avalanche come back before. We know what capabilities they have. Can the Kraken keep their foot on the gas? That is the question. But with 12.20 to go, again... 2-0 Seattle, and here comes Cartier. This puck now bouncing into the blue paint area. Players are colliding. The Kraken have the puck. Gorgiev is down. Kraken fire another shot. This one goes off of a body. There was a forest of legs and arms right in front of the blue paint. 
in the Colorado zone, and now the Kraken are going to hold at the far wall. Boy, number 52 in white, the AHL Rookie of the Year. Man, Ty Cartier, he is one to watch. Had such an impact, of course, with his goal a couple of nights ago, and he made a nice play right there to get the Kraken almost that third goal. So two goals on 11 shots for Seattle. Nothing to speak of in the goal column for Colorado, even though they have almost 20 shots with 11.40 remaining here in the second. The goal is credited to Bjorkstrand with assists from Tolvanen and Yanni Gord. And right now the Avalanche with Comfer are going to look to try to cut this lead in half. They have the puck behind in the trapezoid. Now this one's at the top of the circle. It bounces off of Grubauer's blocker. Good save right there. Boy, chalk up another one for him. And through traffic, he snags that wrister from the blue line. And he freezes the puck, John. We'll get a face-off. Grubauer is looking fantastic this evening. Yeah, I'll be completely happy to tell everybody here in this room between Twitter Spaces and YouTube that my prediction was completely wrong. I guess nothing wrong with what Colorado is doing with the exception of breakaway for Bjorkstrand. It was just two shots in the last four minutes for Seattle, but they scored on both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that is something to make note of, right? Because the Kraken have, uh, excuse me, the results have been great when they've had the opportunities, but they've been fewer and further between. The Avalanche, I would say, have had more of the run of play when it comes to the offensive side, but they've had a little bit of not bad luck, but just a, a little lack of conversion. So we'll see if Rantanen from distance right there can find the net. He almost does as the puck gets set back through the slot, but no danger right there as it's in the far corner. Geeky chases it down. Now he's battling for the puck, but he can't come away with it. Now this one's cross-iced and bounces over the stick of Kale McCarr. And he will chase back down in his own end where he is checked by Schwartz. But Makar has plenty of room to make a pass and advance that puck where it bounces off of a skate, or excuse me, a stick and goes back to Grubauer. Now another battle to Grubauer's right. One of the avalanches down. There's a sharp angle shot right there that whistles past everything. And now the puck's sent back 45 degrees to the far corner. Good check right there by, I believe, Will no, make that. Uh, Adam Larson, now a slapper from way up top, and the puck is loose in the high slot. The Avalanche still have it. Boy, they're starting to buzz here, John, in the O-Zone. 10.25 to go. It's 2-0 Seattle, but the Avalanche are all around it. They snap one from the right dot, and I don't think that one made it to Grubauer. It could have been off a body in front. Now, there's a fake slapper right there by Byram. He sends it down to Rantanen. Rantanen goes way across ice. Now it's held. Back to Rantanen. Rantanen at the near half wall. He's going to skate it down to the circle. The Boy, the Colorado Avalanche look like they're on a power play right now, and this shot comes in from the blue line from McCarr. Ten minutes to go now in the second. Boy, extended offensive zone time. The Kraken can't get the puck, and they certainly can't get a shift change. Now, this one's loose. It's held to Grubauer's right. I don't think he saw that most recent shot, and now Schwartz is going to try to get this one down the ice as he dives, and the Kraken will finally change here, and they can... Take a breath, and so can I, as Matty Beniers and his line are now out on the ice, and the puck will bounce into the Seattle zone, where they backhand it to the neutral zone, and here come the Seattle Kraken up at the far wall. This one snapped, and a beautiful save, and a shot by Matty Beniers almost made it three-zip. Unbelievable. Boy, the Kraken, when they get their chances, they are either converting or coming extremely close. Boy, John, I can't wait to get your thoughts on that shot from number 10 in white. And now here's a good check right there as the Kraken try to clear it. That was uh, Schultz right there for Seattle. And now here comes a shot from distance. And again, boy, the Kraken diving to make blocks. That one was shot by Devin Taves. 
And here we go again. History repeating. And there is a slap shot saved by Drew Bauer. He slides left to right again. And the puck is whistled around the glass. The Seattle Kraken can't get it out. Oh, my goodness. And this one, I guess, John, will be whistled down. I have to take a breath. I got to take a pause. And, boy, Philip Grubauer, again, he is absolutely unshakable tonight. Another huge save. That was sliding over from left to right post. Just be able to get a piece of that with the blocker. Kind of looked Vasilevsky-like. And on the other way, set up with Matty Beniers. That was a stop in full splits for Gurgiev. Big clap there for both goaltenders as we go to commercial break. That was immaculate. Yeah, and I uh, I hope I'm not overselling this thing. I know uh, I, sometimes I can sound a little overzealous, a little too excited, but uh, this second period has really ramped up. Not that the first period didn't have its share of action, but, John, tell me I'm not crazy. It feels like the second period, the heat has been turned way, way up. Yes, it has, and I want to say this, and I'm going to say it the right way, because I know that you're a satellite and you should be proud about the 2 nothing lead that they got over the Avalanche. I'm not going to say the Kraken are lucky, but as you called throughout the broadcast, it certainly seemed like minutes at a time, maybe three, three and a half, it was all Colorado in the offensive end. And as soon as the Kraken got the puck the other way, bang, it's in the back of the net. And another push, and then bang, it's in the back of the net. That's kind of the way it's been right now for the Avalanche. They just seem like they're not running into their own ways. They're just not getting the breaks. Yeah, and they, you know what, they are running into the type of goaltending, and I always, for the rest of time, John, I will reference this series between the, the at, at that time, the Johnny Gaudreau-led Calgary yeah. Flames, who barely got the Dallas Stars out of there in seven games, and the Flames just ran into an extremely hot Jake Ottinger, who we now know is a star goaltender in this league. Uh, and Grubauer is proving us right tonight. He's done it all series long. He's doing it so far halfway through this game. Uh, and, uh, and the stats, as we come back to our broadcast, don't bode well for the home team. They've lost five consecutive game sevens, and uh, Grubauer is trying to make that six in a row for the Avs. I know it's the understatement of the year, but that's absolutely unbelievable considering the personnel Colorado's had over the years. No question about it. And we are back underneath the action, trademark John Ott. That is, uh, that is uh, a, a, a four-eyes saying right there. And uh, we have 840 to go here in the second with 24 shots for Colorado, but nothing to speak of when it comes to goal scoring. 13 for the Avalanche as Yanni Gord throws a check right there and his play whistled down. Are we going to get an interference or roughing call here? I'm not sure exactly what happened, John. Did the puck leave the zone? Play has been whistled dead. Yes, it has. Just outside of the blue line, Yanni Gord with a little bit of a late hit. If the score line was a little bit different, I imagine Colorado would want to answer that, but that's the last thing they're thinking about right now is a fight. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, boy. We get another angle of that beautiful blocker save of uh, Grubauer absolutely robbing Rodriguez. And Rodriguez, uh, I will be fair, he didn't get 100% of that thing. It was a bit of a fluttering puck, but probably still in the 80-mile-per-hour range and uh, absolutely dialed in Philip Grubauer making a huge, huge difference for his team tonight. So here we go. Just over eight minutes to go in the second. Cooper Hawkins on the play-by-play -play with John Ott on the color for the moment. He's been working hard uh, on the Twitter Spaces side, the YouTube side. He's working for the Waterford Sharks. The man is everywhere, and the Kraken are everywhere. Here they come right now. There's a shot that is snagged by the glove of Gurgiev, and Tolvanen is denied 8.05 to play. 
I mean, look, Cooper, there's another one on that side in between Tolverton. It could have been a two-on-one off a cross pass, but Tolverton feeling pretty good and confident, and Seattle's in the flow, and that's a good stop by Gergiev in an odd-man rush. Yeah, absolutely. We saw uh, Bjorkstrand um, obviously just recently score from a very similar angle and a different style of shot right there, but uh, Tolvanen still gave Gorgiev some trouble, but Gorgiev answered, to his credit, a nice trapper stop. So we are just to the right of Gorgiev, and there's going to be a face-off here in the O-zone for the Kraken. It was uh, lost, unfortunately, by Veneers. It's going to be picked up right there and carried out by Colorado. But a nice stick check right there. It's taken away, and there is Cartier. And I don't know if Gurdjieff saw that one. I think Cartier just whistled that one potentially up over the bar. So inside eight minutes to go now. Boy, oh boy, it continues, John. When the Kraken get their chances, they're extremely dangerous. But the Avs, they love to cycle in the Ozone, and they do have the puck right now at the near half boards. It's dropped off in the near corner. Rodriguez battling for it, where it's taken away by Seattle. Going to chip this one forward to Cartier. Boy, his ice time seems to be climbing up here in this second period. And there is Matty Beneers tries to go near side, and Gargiev looked behind him. But it stayed out. Boy, how close has number 10 been for the Kraken tonight? He seems like he's on the doorstep of putting one in the net this evening. And right now, a couple of players down at the far boards, John. I'm not sure if there's an injury, if they're just tangled up. One of the Kraken and one of the Avs. Now, the, the Av will leave his stick behind. I'm sorry, I couldn't get a number on that. But so he will exit the ice and head back to the bench. So we have a loose ice, uh, stu excuse me, a loose stick on the ice. And the puck is being battled for in the trapezoid, trapezoid behind Gert. Uh, my gosh, I'm all over it, John. <laughs> I'm settling back in here. But Grubauer saw the puck behind him. And it was cleared out by Seattle. No icing here. So it's picked up. And the avalanche will carry out. It's Sam Girard. He's going to look to the far wall. And carrying through the neutral zone right there is O'Connor. So here come the crack in the other way. It's bouncing in the neutral zone and going to come to the near boards. Here's Tanev, who I believe at the moment is still credited with the first goal. We'll see if that goes to Bjorkstrand. There's a snapshot right there from the Avs as they came into the O-zone quickly. And boy, spinning right there and throwing almost a punch for the Kraken. Number 21, Alex Wenberg. And now here comes Kale McCarr up to the slot. Boy, tons of back-and-forth action right here. I'm just trying to get everything clear as we are closing in on six minutes to go here in the second. And there is a snap right there off the bar, John. Oh, my goodness. I looked down for a split second, looked back up, and the Avs almost cut that lead in half to make it 2-1. I think the shot beat Grubauer, but it didn't beat the post. So now the Seattle Kraken trying to hold the Ozone, but can't. Here comes Colorado the other way. The puck's going to bounce off the glass behind Grubauer, but Rantanen couldn't find it. It's backhanded along to Gord. Gord does a nice job right there to grab the puck with one hand. Gergiev snags it with the glove. He's going to drop it off. Now it's carried up by the Avalanche, sent up the far wall near the player benches. It's carried in just onside. Now Rantanen has it at the near wall. He loves that position. Going to send it back to the blue line, the fake slapper from there, and a snapshot from an angle at the top of the top circle. It's another save by Grubauer. And it is still too zip, John, but I'm not sure how. Colorado, so, so close, so many times. So Larson and uh, it seemed like JT Coffer were stuck for an eternity near the right wing side. Just couldn't get out of their own way, stuck in a hit. And then Mikko Rantanen kissed the right side of the crossbars that just stayed out. So even if Grubauer is making some of these fantastic saves, he's been a lot of ten dollars. He's also got a couple of rings right off the pipe as the Kraken still have a 2 nothing lead. And as you called about it, I'm thinking about the jersey that I'm wearing right now. Matty Beneers was so very close to making it a 3 nothing. I'd love to see Matty get a goal in this playoff game. 
Yeah, me too. And uh, and I I hate to say it, but as we hit the commercial here, I, I I do think that Colorado has been so so close. Now Seattle has answered, but I stand by what uh, what my, I claimed before in that Colorado seemed to be able to settle yeah. in the offensive zone and develop uh, and actually play their game as opposed to the Kraken. Who and, and listen, if you can get goals this way, by all means, continue. Right? Don't don't change what you're doing. But the Kraken are relying on the transition game and uh, some of those stretch passes. And listen, that's that's working. I mean, obviously, it's up on the scoreboard right now. It's two zip. But I think the way things are going, if they continue, it becomes the matter of time, right? Where, as you and I both expect, how long until, not if, but how long until McKinnon's on the scoreboard, how long until McCarr, Rantanen, Lekkinen, etc., find their way onto the score sheet. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. And again, when you mention those names, I know we're still about five minutes left to go here in the second frame. But when you think about those big boys, when is the secondary goal scoring for the Avalanche going to come? Because you're up against it in a game seven when it's been all across the board for Seattle. It's been non-existent for Colorado. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, you, you see players like Tolvin, Eli Tolvin, and uh, such a big get for the Kraken. Uh, uh, he was very, very close, again, from a very similar shooting position. And that was that glove save that we gave uh, have some credit for, making a nice stop with the Trapper. And here's our replay as we come back to action. Boy, some of the fans uh, with their heads in their hands, thinking that it was going to be the first of the night for the Avalanche, but it was not to be the puck sailed off of the crossbar. Now this one bounces out in front, John, as we're back underneath the action. Five minutes and ten seconds to go. The Kraken try to clear. Can't do so. Once more, the Avalanche with possession. They're doing everything they can right now. Boy, I think Mikhail McCarr was sent to the ice. Thought there might have been a tripping call right there, but not to be. The fans call a penalty. The referees do not. So now we are inside five minutes to go here in the second. And the Kraken battling for the puck near the blue line on the Avalanche side of the ice. Taves is in the mix right there, trying to see who else is in there. And uh, the Kraken look like they're going to come away with this thing, although it's still not clear of all the legs and skates. Although it will come back to the red line. Now the Kraken are going to step in. They have it at the far corner. Now the puck bounces into the trapezoid where it's held by Gord. Gord now is going to send it back to the blue line. It's shipped along right there for the Kraken by Susie. No, make that done. And the puck will exit the zone now as it bounced around on the far wall. Now, all of a sudden, the puck's back on Yanni Gord's stick. He chips it down, and the Kraken will chase after it as the goal scorer, Oliver Bjorkstrand, looks for possession. He can't find it, and this one's sent all the way back down to the Kraken end of the ice. So Larson picks it up there, pops his head up, takes a look. Sauce pass right there all the way to the penalty box area, but he couldn't find a teammate. It's chipped forward, and now Comfer has it. He will chip and chase, and the chaser is Kale McCarr, so... Nice strategy on that side. But Gerard's going to take it now for the Avalanche and then backhand this one along the blue line. Avalanche have it just inside the offensive zone at the Kraken. Kraken will take over behind Grubauer, looking to possess this thing and get it out of there. Nice between-the-legs pass right there. I think that was potentially Adam Larson. And now here comes Matty Beniers. He's up the center of the ice. He gets knocked down right there, spun around onto his knees, and play is whistled dead, John. Are we having a penalty here? I think potentially an offside call. We got an offside call, and to your credit, you called this moments and moments ago for everybody else. Guess who's got their second goal of the game now? Oliver Bjorkstrand. Boy, so number 22 in white. He is just one away from the HT, looking for the Hattie. 
Uh, there wouldn't be too many hats flying on the ice if he finds one more, but there are some Kraken fans in the crowd. I know that uh, they would be absolutely thrilled, and I think uh, not only because they would be celebrating Bjorkstrand, but I think they'd be thrilled to get some more insurance here as the Seattle Kraken look like they're going to need it. Yeah, it's something that you remember for the rest of your life, a hat trick in a Game 7. No question about it. So Wenberg, uh, the faceoff in the neutral zone, he was waved out there, and Schwartz had to take it. He could not win it, so the Kraken are looking to take over in the neutral zone after that face-off. They're able to grab the puck momentarily, but the puck slides back to the Avs, and they'll take it at the far wall. Three minutes, 15 seconds to go here in the second. It's a 2 nothing lead for the Seattle Kraken here at Ball Arena in Denver, and that snap pass goes from Taves over to McCarr. It's going to be back to McCarr at the blue line, and there's a slapper that goes well over the cage. That was by Lekkonen up and over the top, and the puck is still held by the Avalanche. Boy, the theme continues. Kraken having a bit of a struggle here as, boy, a beautiful move by McKinnon, and now he's got the puck. Another unbelievable save with the blocker by Grubauer. McKinnon looks skyward. He can't believe he's still off the score sheet. Two minutes, 40 seconds to go, John. Boy, we're going to have plenty to talk about during our second break, which seems like it's coming up quickly. And here's what the Kraken have loved to do all night. They come up that near wall, snap a shot right on. That one was put on Gorkiev by Spronger. Daniel Sprong, the former Washington Capital, put that one on, but it was a relatively easy save for the Avalanche goaltender. Now the puck's going to bounce all the way down, and it went too far, John. Crossed a couple of red lines, and that means it's an icing. Let's get a replay of this thing on the TNT side. Unreal. Grubauer cannot be beaten with to the blocker side. Another save. I mean, that was ridiculous. It was Nathan McKinnon to Rantanen. McKinnon back off the half spin. Let's the wrister go. That looked like an all-star design play. Yeah, this is absolutely wild. It's it's 26. It's, I mean, it's just simple math here. 26 saves, 26 shots. You got a zero up on the board for Colorado. And there are just, in regulation, 20 minutes uh, excuse me, 22 minutes and 23 seconds to play. Uh, it's been the Philip Grubauer show. It would be the Nathan McKinnon show, but he can't get the he can't get the finish tonight. So, with 26 again, 26 shots for the Avalanche and 15 for the Kraken. It is two nothing to the visitors, and they have the puck at the moment. There's a stretch pass right there, boy. A nice seeing eye pass that just bounced off a skate in the neutral zone at the last second. And chasing down, looking for the puck is Cartier. Boy, he does a good job to pull up right there. Almost made contact with Gurgiev. Looked like Gurgiev was uh, pretty wise trying to get in the path of Cartier, maybe to draw a penalty. And we are going to have a penalty, John. Looks like it's going to be a tripping call. And our first power play of the game is going to Colorado. Say goodnight for two minutes to Vince Dunn of Seattle. Potentially at that point we will say, because I'm going to tell you this, for the amount of points that they say that Nathan McKinnon doesn't have in the last three games, that's certainly not his fault. I mean, at this point, he could have three or four here, Cooper, if not for the extraordinary efforts of Philip Grubauer. Nathan McKinnon's been all over this thing. He's just been denied in the slot about five, six times already. Yeah, no question about it. It's just been Grubauer who has been uh, freezing him out, Nathan McKinnon, and McKinnon's had an absolutely fantastic game otherwise, but we'll see if this very, very dangerous Colorado team can convert on the power play. If uh, the power play runs its full duration, they will actually have 10 seconds of power play time in the second period as well. There's 150 on the clock here in the second period. Nice clean face-off win by Rantanen, but the whistle is blown. Looks like he may have jumped a little early before the puck was dropped. So we'll do it again, John. 
So here's the thing I always want to mention there. They flip Ranton into McKinnon. You want to get the offside hand to get McKinnon a quick ripper or get this right to Kale on a set play. Yes, indeed. So it's going to be Ranton again against Wenberg to Grubauer's right. Wenberg gives the referee a little tap right there, and he actually wins this face-off. So an excellent job by Wenberg to get that second opportunity, and the puck is fluttered down to the Colorado end. Ten seconds of a lapse here in their power play. About a minute and a half to go here in the second as Kale McCarr carries this one up and has to chip it backwards. It's going to be taken right there for the avalanche by Nathan McKinnon. No shock there. He streaks through the neutral zone and holds possession, tries to get it back to the far point, and this one bounces over a stick, and it's all the way to Gurkiev. So McCarr has to gather himself. He's going to chip this one back. Here comes Rantanen wearing that A on his chest, the assistant captain for Colorado. He carries in. Nice stick work right there, but the avalanche can't hold. And now it's going to bounce oh. to McKinnon. He fires in again. I think he's either stoned by the glove of Grubauer. He might have just sailed it over the top, but he puts his stick down on his knees. John shakes his head. He can't believe that he still hasn't scored. I think it might have been a piece of the glove, as you said, as it went up into the netting again. Nathan McKinnon, I hope that he does not get discouraged because he's been all over this puck. He's been in all the right areas. All you can do is keep firing this is, again, this just got grazed off the glove and up in the netting. Boy, yeah, just enough. We're talking centimeters of that glove yes. that uh, keeps this game 2 nothing. One minute, six seconds to go here in the second. One sixteen on the Colorado power play. A nice, clean face-off win goes back to Taves right here. He's going to center himself and then drop it back to Rantanen. Rantanen seeking, seeking, holding, sends it back to Taves. Taves now has options, goes back to Rantanen. Rantanen at the top of the circle snaps a shot. That goes off a leg right to one of the Kraken, and they snap this thing back down to Gurgiev. And big number 40 will leave it for Taves one more time. 44 seconds to go in the second. It's dropped off for Renton. And that first power play unit staying out this entire time. 17 shot blocks tonight for the Kraken and counting. Just six for the Avs. They have it at the far half wall. Now it's near the dot. Taves gets the puck back near that DraftKings logo, and it's 2-1, John. A slap shot by none other than number 29, Nathan McKinnon. It was bound to happen, and it did from the dot and in 2-1. Now your score just seconds before the end of the period. I'm going to tell you this on the YouTube side. I shook my head, and I gave a thumbs up there. No question on the other end for Taves back from McKinnon. He got his spot. He got a slapper. No reason to put your head down. Keep doing what you're doing. An absolute rocket. And Nathan McKinnon has sent the crowd to Ball Arena alive and while the door was open from events done tripping. The only power play of the game. And now it's 2-1. We got a brand new hockey game. We certainly do, and credit to Rantanen, who put a nice little screen in front of Grubauer right there. He was basically unchecked, and also, after going blocker, 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 McKinnon finally shoots to the far post, which is the glove side. After just getting a shot off of the tip of the glove, this time he beats Grubauer, glove side, far post, 2-1, no mistake about that one. Uh, and boy, John, even as a Seattle fan and, and a Seattle kid, I cannot be angry at that. That's Nathan no. McKinnon at his finest. That was a fantastic goal. And here come the, the Avalanche one more time. They look to carry this puck in with 17 seconds to go in the second. And we have a bit of a, a wide angle right now on the TNT feed. I'm having trouble seeing those TV numbers. But it's McKinnon from Taves and Lekkonen. And I think we have an icing call right here. So guess who's coming back out wearing that 29? Nathan McKinnon with 10 seconds to play here in the second. Boy, he's uh, licking his chops. He's going to want to try to tie this thing. 
So as you said, perfect shot, perfect screen by Rantanen, and now combined between Rantanen and McKinnon, that's 10 of Colorado's goals in this series. It's true, and interesting, on a super slow-mo replay, Rantanen with that screen in front of Grubauer, the puck actually deflect off, excuse me, deflects off his hockey pants and then into the net. I think it was bound for the net anyway, but Rantanen may end up getting credit for that goal, so we'll have to keep an eye on that one as well. Another clean Ozone face-off win for the Avs. Six seconds to play. The puck bounces behind Grubauer. He can't find it. Now two seconds. It's in the near corner and tied up. It bounces behind the cage, and zeros are on the scoreboard. So, John, we end the second period with Rantanen, or excuse me, Rantanen, having a little bit of a chirp with one of the referees but either way it's 2-1 thanks to a late power play goal and there's a shot of Bjorkstrand skating to the room he's got both goals tonight for Seattle 2-1 with 20 minutes in regulation to go well there was an obvious statement by you and I pointed out because you threw it out there what did you just tell me a few minutes ago make sure you can keep this even strength of your Seattle it's one tripping penalty against Vince Dunn I know he didn't mean to do it but it did open the door. Colorado was looking for anything. As you said, they've been moving this puck with finesse all the way across. Grubauer's made some excellent saves. Again, this is a scoreline that could easily be maybe 4-2 to two on that side. I, that's not even being disingenuous. Nathan McKinnon's been all over this thing. He finally got the bullet that he needed. He's been all over it. And Colorado has life again. It's 2-1 going into the third. I think we're going to be set up now for a fantastic another Game 7. Yeah, I, I think there's no question about that, and let's let's reflect. I mean, listen, during our first intermission, we went over our uh, predictions, and of course, <laughs> I have to give credit to the hometown team, uh, for me at least. They have flipped my prediction on its head. Um, I thought it would be 2-1 Colorado for a good chunk of the game. Now, listen, it's only been 2-1 for about 30 seconds of game time, uh, thanks to McKinnon's power play goal, but it's not 2-1 abs, it's 2-1 Seattle. So can they hold on to that lead? Can they extend the lead? Uh, we have seen several times in this series, John, that Colorado has been beaten early by the Kraken, and I don't want to say the Kraken have faded. Um, this isn't the Calgary Flames we're talking about, <laughs> where they start hot and fade as we get to the second and third. But Colorado has just found that championship gear that they have access to. Uh, and the Kraken, not that they are not able to challenge uh, the Avalanche when they reach that level, but Colorado has won games coming from behind. I think, boy, at minimum, you're going to need one more if you're Seattle, if not two. Yeah, I think so too. And I also want to just throw this out there. I know Seattle has done so. This would be out of their character. But knowing that this is a Game 7 and knowing that they have the lead, is there going to be a point, and I hope it's not this, but I'm just going to throw it out there, at maybe halfway through the third period that they start playing the neutral zone trap, trying to get in front of Grubauer and block shots, let concede, and maybe have Colorado more offensive zone pressure, and eventually the levy's going to break? I hope that's not what Seattle does. That'd be out of character for Dave Hextall's squad, but you kind of just wonder, because if they're playing with house money, as you think that they are against the Avalanche, maybe they try to go on a defensive shell, and I think that that would be the wrong move. Yeah, I think um, I think you and I. I'm pretty sure our listeners. I mean, we're we're all savvy enough to know that that's that's not the right that's not the right play. Um, holding a one goal lead at Ball Arena against the defending Stanley Cup champs by going into defense first. Mm, listen, I trust the Kraken's defense. I think they trust themselves. Um, that power play goal, notwithstanding. I mean, obviously they were down a man. 
Uh, other than that, as you astutely pointed out, John, at five on five, yes, they've been pressured, but yes, they've bent, but they have not broken. Right. Um, I've, I've liked what I've seen from really all three of the defensive pairings for Seattle. Um, really active sticks, great positioning, and the shot block totals continue to climb. They know what their strategy is. I think they're going to stick to it. It's just, can they get one more? Uh, they got a good bounce, a really lucky bounce from that Bjorkstrand goal to open scoring. Uh, and then, listen, the exact opposite, a complete laser, a goal scorer's goal posting in on the far side uh, by Bjorkstrand again. So they know they can do it. I think they have the confidence. They certainly have the uh, they have the personnel. It's just about putting it on the board, uh, and I think they'd like to get it probably within the first five minutes of the third or so. From the way that you're saying that, it seems like Seattle's done that throughout a lot of these games. They will score within the first five minutes, whether it's just a shot down the wing that's been open. That's why Jared Bednar has given up those left or right rushes when it's just a single man down, and, and whether it's Sprong or Tolvanen or anyone else want to take a shot, that's open. But for the Avalanche, as you said, it's kind of been more of a wheel and deal. We're Seattle trying to stay out in front. Again, let me just give you the quick little stats on this side, because this was a, something that threw out to me in particular. It's 12 block shots to three in favor of the Kraken. So they're trying to make sure that they can help out Grubauer, and Grubauer, to his credit, I mean, this is the best I've seen the man look in a long time, and he's very much the reason why... Seattle's out in front. They've had some chances in the second period that they took advantage of, but I just want to see if those strategies continue to stay in place. Cooper, would you mind if you give a little bit of a floor to reset? I just got to uh, take a break here for a couple minutes. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, right for I, I think we uh, have covered all of our all of our uh, future thoughts on uh, series that are coming up, including between the Panthers and the. And the Maple Leafs, we talked a little bit about, excuse me, a little bit about the uh, Golden Knights that are going to face the Oilers. Uh, there's certainly lots to go over. But uh, just to recap one more time, the, the other game from this evening, a huge upset in the NHL. The Florida Panthers, who were on the outside of the playoff picture, looking in, not too far away from the end of this regular season. Uh, they have upset the President's Trophy-winning Boston Bruins by a final in overtime of 4-3. to three with assists from former Calgary Flames Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett. It's Carter Verhage, 8.35 into that overtime period to get the game winner. So goals by Montour and Reinhardt made it 2-0 Florida. Uh, Krejci and Bertuzzi, then Pasternak came back to make it 3-2 Boston. And with just one minute to play in regulation with his second of the night, defenseman Brandon Montour with assists from Carter Verhage and Alex Barkov, he ties that game at 3-3. And as I just mentioned, with his second of the series for Hagee at 8.35 of overtime from Kachuk and Bennett, 4-3 your final. So that's how we looked in the NHL. And then uh, just to keep John covered for the moment, a couple of games in the NBA tonight. Uh, I should say earlier this afternoon, uh, the Miami Heat, the eighth seed upsetting uh, well, at least for the time being, taking care of business against the New York Knicks at MSG. Uh, the Heat lead that series now one nothing, and then the Golden State Warriors uh, with all round numbers. The final of one twenty to one hundred against their opponent uh, in Sacramento against the Kings. The Warriors, led by Steph Curry, who scored fifty points, uh, the highest total for an individual player in a game seven in NBA history. Uh, some huge names on that list, including uh, LeBron 
and uh, some classics. Boy, I thought about Kevin Johnson back with the Suns in the 90s. He had 46, I believe it was, or I think 43 um, in a Game 7 a few decades prior. So, yeah, your finals in the NBA, 108-101 to the Heat, 120-100 to the Warriors. So the Kings, after uh, making the playoffs for the first time since 2006, they will head to the golf course. But uh, keep an eye on them. You've got to think that they're going to want to come back and make a run next year out of the Western Conference. And then, as we talked about on the NHL side, big news with the Maple Leafs, of course, a night ago, finishing off the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they, for the first time since 2004, head to the second round. So I think I heard some rustling, some movement from my uh, partner here. And uh, welcome back, John. Hope you had a nice break because guess what? I'm going to turn the tables on you, my friend. I'm going to take a break myself in just a moment, but I won't leave you hanging. Um, I just covered the NBA scores. I covered uh, not only uh, the recap of tonight's Panthers-Bruins game, but also looked ahead uh, a bit to the Maple excuse me, looked back a bit to the Maple Leafs finishing off the Lightning. So there's a lot of that, and the only one that we have left tomorrow, as we said, is the Rangers and the Devils. I will have some of that on the Monday side. Whether or not it'll be a solo call, we will figure that one out as it gets to it. But after that, it'll be a couple off days for me. I've been double dip with the MIHL playoffs for the Waterford Sharks there on that side. I had a lot of fun. It's a lot of different work there as we were trying to get the broadcasts on Wheel TV, and that was a lot of fun on that end. But glad to be able to get back to some NHL action and be able to do so probably through the majority of this week. So here's the thing. In between the Devils and the Rangers, I went ahead and gave my prediction. Again, sometimes predictions aren't really worth anything. We're trying to just give you our thoughts on that side. I'm going to go with the 5-2 scoreline for the Rangers. And why is that important? Because it's the other part of the Metro that's going to finish off. Carolina is still waiting to see who they're going to play as they dispatch the Islanders. Saw just a little bit of that the other day, and I had my hand in my mouth on that side because I couldn't believe what I ended up seeing off of the goal right out in front. But Carolina... We know about their injuries, we know about everything else that they're dealing with, and now they match up against the team you know well in the Metro and the Rangers. How is that one going to go? I still feel like I might be disingenuous to the Carolina Hurricanes if I say anything less than six, because their defensive structure is so sound. But yet I always say this, and this ultimately depends on whether or not the Devils can beat the Rangers in seven, but I feel like the Rangers do everything well, and they also have all the same goal scoring that Carolina may or may not because of the injuries. So assuming if the Rangers get out of the series, I'm going to take them against Carolina. But, I mean, that's going to be a big-time Game 7. We'll be all over that. And then I would think later throughout the week, maybe Wednesday, Thursday, when I come back, because I'm going to take the off day on Tuesday, we'll figure out the second-round side of it and where we go. Because I think I might lock into the Vegas-Edmonton series uh, Vegas, again, I apologize to anyone that's been listening on that end. Felt like I kind of picked against you because the Winnipeg Jets got all beat up and you took care of business on that end. But there's a lot of underrated great players on Vegas. I always mention Chandler Stevenson and the faceoff percentage. Being reunited with Mark Stone, they've looked really good. And we will see if Edmonton can do the same things because that's another stiff test. And the LA Kings, that was a tough one. But Vegas and Laurent Bossois, man, he's been excellent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and John, just quickly before we uh, continue thoughts on on the Vegas side, I mean, we could we could cover a lot of the details there. And I'm, I'm sure we will. Uh, I know one of our listeners here has been hanging in with us. Uh, he likes to frequent uh, the city of uh, Las Vegas. 
known to known to known to take care of business there. Bring home some big winnings. Uh, tip of the cap to you, Jason, for your uh, your math skills. So, uh, John, my, my point though is let's put Vegas on pause just for a moment mm-hmm. because. There were some pretty pointed comments after the game uh, that was lost by the Winnipeg Jets when they were bounced out of the playoffs after just the one victory in their series against the Golden Knights. Uh, Tell me what you think about uh, those comments about the Jets, where that team stands, where the franchise is headed, um, and uh, and tell me if you think they're moving in the right direction because I uh, I think things are starting to rumble and it may not be in a great way there. So let me just clarify the comments I think that you're talking about, because if there's other ones, I wasn't uh, privy to it. But Rick Bonus about his uh, team and lack of effort, are, are those the comments? Yes, indeed. Yeah, let's. Uh, Rick Bonus, after he had about a 45 second <laughs> presser after the loss, and he was uh, not mincing words. I think he was. I think he was well within his right to make that kind of a statement. But listen, that's not going to go over well in the room. Uh, and I believe that uh, Shifley took uh, took. A little bit of offense to that. I don't think he loved that his coach uh, came with that approach. No, I mean, on the side of it, it was a 45-second presser, and some of the other uh, broadcasters in there, some of the people in the room and the media were like, did you wait all the way to the end of the year just to give your thoughts? I said, yes. He goes, I look at our team, and I see the tailspin that we went in from January. We were all the way to the top, and we just kind of let our foot off the gas, and I don't think that we gave enough effort. Quite frankly, I'm disgusted, and we're, we're really where we're supposed to be right now. We got our butts kicked by Vegas, and I don't like the way that it's gone. That was essentially verbatim the way that Rick Bonus said it. And look, I can understand alongside, I'm going to say this, from his comments in the January side, we looked about it in the Central. Didn't Winnipeg seem like one of those teams that might come all the way out and take it? Everybody seemed to play well. But I guess the one thing I would say, if I'm Shifley, I want to look at those comments in a vacuum, and I'm not going to say this, and hopefully Shifley knows this. Bonus isn't saying those comments in the first round against Vegas. I under- he understood that Vegas was the better team. They were just so ber- berated from injuries on that side in between uh, Shifley, Ehlers, Morrissey. It was all over the place. I mean, there was nothing that they could do. So, granted, they gave their effort. In Game 5, the empty net was pulled, I think, with 8.15 left to go in the fourth. They scored a couple goals, only one of them stood. But, yeah, I mean, from that January side, when they looked like a completely different team, I could understand Bonus's comments. But if you turn the reversal card, that Uno reverse, some of that's got to fall on Rick Bonus. Yeah, and speaking of fall, and not to continue to put you on the spot, I mean, I guess this is technically a yes or no question. Do you think that Rick Bonus will continue to be the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets? Dallas said no on that side. Winnipeg might say no as well. I'm leaning probably 70-30 no. Yeah, I think you and I feel the same. Uh, and I might even bump that up to, to 80-20. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a ton of respect for him. I mean, I've, I've been obviously aware of him as head coach for a number of years, of course, but haven't you know paid ultra-close attention. But uh, after that uh, Dallas series against the Flames, and then now this one against the Knights, and knowing that he was uh, he, he's w- very willing to express himself without much of a filter, I mean, I can respect that. Yeah. I just think that there will be repercussions, and I don't. <laughs> I, you insinuated this a moment ago. I don't think it'll be directly because of those statements, but more so the way the team faltered as they uh, came down the stretch. And look, I mean, you can talk about this in the sense of what's 
connected and between the Chicago Blackhawks and the fallout between all the stuff that was going on, Kevin Shoveldayoff is also part of that piece who's now the GM of the Winnipeg Jets. Might be an easy way to get Shoveldayoff and Bonus out of there. Yeah, and uh, and Shoveldayoff, who, who is, I, I honestly did not realize this and, and had to confirm it, I couldn't believe that this was true, has been the GM uh, since the team moved to Winnipeg, since they left Atlanta and and became the Jets once again. I I was stunned by that, and uh, yeah, it might be time for a fresh perspective there in Winnipeg. Yeah, we will see what ends up going across, because I know the last time I talked to you, we got right into the playoff coverage, and we could discuss everything with Brad Tree Living. He's on his way on the Calgary side, and then we get the chance to see uh, Matthew Kachuk moving on in the postseason, so I know it's probably bittersweet for you, my friend, on that end, but you also have... Seattle currently up in Game 7 against Colorado, so I guess not all hope is lost there on that side. We know what Calgary is still going to be next year. They're still within the playoff grasp of it, and Seattle might be getting new horizons. They're trying to do this with every single passing day. Yes, they are, and it's actually really nice, just on a personal note, it's really nice not only to, to call games for a Seattle team, but... Um, it's a different kind of fandom. It's new, right? I mean, obviously, it's it's literally the hometown team. Um, but just because I've been a Flames fan since I was a, a little kid, I was a little boy. Uh, my grandpa lived there for many, many years, and that just became the team that I paid attention to and would read about in the Seattle Times. I would follow the box scores when they would play Vancouver and try to get any newspaper clippings I could. Man, I'm old. I sound I sound old. Me too. Um, <laughs> But the Kraken are so new, it's it's nice to be able to jump on the Kraken bandwagon, feel like it's legit, but then also still have, it's new enough and it's not so deeply emblazoned upon my heart that when, you know, if something goes sideways, like the other night, a 4-1 loss for Seattle, yeah, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't pull the blanket up over my head and sob myself to sleep. I, <laughs> I was able to to move forward and know that we'd have this chance to call it Game 7 and have it be really exciting, and boy, it certainly has been. Um, and yeah, I definitely hope, John, that the Kraken are able to pull it out, but you know what? With the way the Avalanche have been playing, too, if they continue to do this, not only are they going to be dangerous tonight, but they would be dangerous against anyone they face coming out of the West. And hey, they could even repeat. This is the this is what McKinnon, Ranton, and company can do. Yeah, and again, as we talked about between their opponent that's waiting, it's the Dallas Stars in the series, whoever they get, it's going to be great. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, and all right, let's let's have a little fun. And we've done this before, John, when it's been a tie game. We, we obviously covered a lot of Flames games this regular season. Uh, they went to overtime a ton. <laughs> we would always be fair. And we would try to pick uh, who do you think your goal scorer is going to be in overtime. We would say, you know, whoever they were playing, the Preds or whomever it was. We would pick a goal scorer, and then we'd pick a goal scorer for the Flames. It would always be the op- the opponent. But tonight, we're going into the third, right? It's a 2-1 lead for the Kraken. I feel like we're getting at least one more goal for each squad. So let's have some fun. Who do you think, if, if it happens... Who do you think's putting one in for the Avs? Who do you think's putting one in for the Seattle? So, open record here, I'm going to leave Rantanen and McKinnon open for you. I will go ahead with Kel McCarr for the Avalanche, and I'm going to go with my boy on the other end because I'm wearing the jersey he's been all over at Matty Beneers for the Kraken. Yeah, I like that a ton, and I'm going to go as we get ready for the puck drop here to start the third period. I'm going to say it's going to be Evan Rodriguez for the home team, and you know what? 
I'm calling the hat trick. I think Bjorkstrand is on one tonight, and I think he finds number three. So, John, I'll keep it going here because I know that uh, you have had tons of work lately, and here's eight seconds in, an icing call. So we're going to have a face-off near Grubauer momentarily. I wanted to make sure, anyway, you're going to be able to call this at the end of it. This is your team. I don't want to step all over it, but if you ever need me to jump in, I will. You got it, pal. So we, uh, we'll keep an eye on those things. We'll see how the voice does. If I, uh, if I start breaking down, then I, I need to call on the pro. And luckily, you're on the broadcast with me. So, again, it's 2-1. Seattle has the lead. It was 2-0 until about 30 seconds to go in the second. It was a power play goal from Mr. Nathan McKinnon to cut that lead in half. So the Kraken are out there right now with the puck just floated behind Gurkiev, and he tried to clear that one out. Couldn't do so. It sent back to the near point. And right there are the excuse me, the Seattle Kraken, where they're going to hold this one in. McKinnon doing a nice job on the check right there, but Bjorkstrand has it. He's my call. He's going to try to spin this one around. He looks for that forehand shot on the near side, but it goes off of Taves' skate. So the Avalanche will carry out of their own zone. They're going to skate this one forward, but it's turned over and dropped off right now. Excuse me, it is held by Colorado, and they send this one back to no man's land. It's got to be chased down right there by McKinnon. And he holds in, makes, excuse me, make that Gerard, 49, not 29. So a minute into the third period, the Avalanche chipped this one along the far boards, but no one home. So Grubauer comes out of his net. He's going to forehand this one along, but it's off his skate and now at the far corner. Bit of a dangerous play right there, but the Kraken will come away with the puck and then cross-ice this one. It bounces off the skate of one of the Avs, so a delayed offside call. They can't touch it, have to head back to neutral ice. Good job right there by Schwartz of Seattle to put some pressure on, but the puck is now on Colorado's stick, and there is a shot to the far post. I think that's by Rodriguez. Boy, I almost spoke that into existence, John. I called number nine in maroon, and he almost made it 2-2. Just sailed it a little bit wide. I think maybe once again, Grubauer just got a piece with the glove. I'm sure we'll get a replay. So a little over 90 seconds in here in this third period. The Avalanche, yet again, seeming to have the run of play when it comes to uh, cycling in the offensive zone. But the Kraken doing a good job to try to stave them off right now. And a shot from distance bounces off a body. That's got to be another shot block for Seattle. Sprong right there on the forecheck for the Kraken. He's able to do a good job and now gets the puck back. He shoots one. Nice little quick wrister from the near circle. And now he sends that back to a teammate. That's going to be excuse me, Adam Larson. And now the puck is frozen. And we will have a stoppage with 17.51 to go in the third. So the strategy that we talked about going in the second intermission has repeated itself now. Sprung able to get open and kind of play this off the backhand toward the right side wall. But it's been all puck possession and movement. And both of the goal scorers that uh, Cooper Hopkins picked on both sides got the first primo opportunities of the third period. Uh, what can I say, John? It was, yeah, it was Bjorkstrand. I thought he might try to go backhand, but he spun for the forehand, and he puts it off the skate, and then, my goodness, Rodriguez whips one just wide of that crossbar. So here we go. 29 shots for the Avs, 17 for Seattle again, 2-1. And guess who's back on the ice? It's Nathan McKinnon. He's going to be out there in this third a lot. Now a puck sent in from the blue line on the Kraken side. That one skitters by the blue paint. No danger for Grubauer. He just... Kept an eye on it as it heads to the near half wall. Now somebody lost his stick. It's one of the Kraken. So the Avalanche have it. Nice dance right there. And here's McKinnon tying the game. Not even three minutes into the third John, A slapper from up top between the circles. It's 2-2. That's why we left him open for season. I think it would be unfair for both of us to take him. Miko Rantanen with a beautiful dipsy doodle. 
caught everybody mesmerized as a stick got knocked out of the hand of one of the Kraken and then Nathan McKinnon wide open in between the circles. This is just a gorgeous move for Rantanen. Able to get around Bjorkstrand, set up McKinnon, no problem. One knee, one timer, and it's a tie game. Boy, why would we pick anyone else, John? No. It's gonna be it's gonna be twenty nine in Cerulean and Maru. Now, here's an Here interesting look. Yep. No, sorry, John. I didn't mean to step on you there. I think we're getting a replay to see if Rantanen was potentially offside. But he looks like he is holding that left skate over the blue line. But is one of the other Avalanche offside on the play? Could that be? Lacking. I'm trying to get it. It is Lekkinen, yes, thank you. I thought that was 5-2. I was about to say, that's 52, who's that? That's Lekkinen, yes. John, I think this one's coming back. Lekkinen's offside on my screen, Cooper. Yep, and I apologize. I didn't mean to step all over you there. I think you had the view before I did. But boy, Lekkinen is, I would say, a foot and a half offside. Yeah. Yep, There's... so uh, I, I know for uh, Alec and Jason listening, uh, if you have the feed on, that's, that's fantastic. You're probably seeing the same thing that we are, but... My goodness, it's 2-2 for the moment, but uh, John, unless we are completely losing our minds, here's another look right up the blue line. Yep, Lekkonen is clearly offside. Here's the call. There is the wave of the hands, John. We are back to 2-1, a huge development tonight. I know the Colorado fans aren't going to like it. That one was as plain as day, but if I'm Seattle, you can't allow Rantanen to sing that same old song and dance and set up number 29. That's got to be better. No, you're absolutely right. You can see it on the face of Dave Haxall right there, all seriousness. And some of these fans with their hands in the air, I, I don't know if that's the right play right there. I think if they got a clear replay on the big board at Ball Arena, you can see exactly what we did. And that was a very quick decision with good reason. That was offside. And, uh, boy, the referee right there having to separate Comfort and Cartier. So the 22-year-old not going to be pushed around as Matty Beniers is going to go against Eller and tries to win this face-off. He does. So Cartier gets the puck there near his own player's bench, but it bounces off some skates, and the Kraken are having to chase this one down right now. They can't get the puck. That one was centered, looking for none other than Rodriguez, my pick for the Avalanche to score, but the pass was not connected. Now Rodriguez does have it. He wants to tap this one back to the blue line, but it's off of a skate, make it a stick, and that's one is going to be carried up by Everly and Beniers. Now dropped off to the far point. Chasing down the puck is Matty Beniers. He gets just enough on this pass. Here's a slapper from way outside. I don't know how Gergiev saw it. It was 88 miles an hour by Larson, who slaps his knee pads, and Gergiev freezes it for the faceoff. I'm going to tell you this, Cooper. I know it's obvious, but between Cartier and Matty Beniers on this first line, boy, I like the poise that they played with here in a Game 7. They look good. Yeah, no question about it. And you said it in very simple terms. I mean, we're talking about an AHLer who had his first game in yes. the big leagues a couple of nights ago. He's getting first-line minutes, and uh, he's earned them. He looks great. So here we are with just about three minutes elapsed here, and the shot's going to come, excuse me, a pass going to be sent around the end boards, and the Kraken looking to hang on to it, but they can't do so right there as the Avalanche are going to try to carry this one away, but the puck bounces right back to the far corner one more time. It's being battled for there by Johnson. Also in on that is, oh my gosh, well, it's Eric Johnson and then the other Johnson. So the Johnson boys are out for the Avalanche right now on the defensive side. And the Colorado Avs will come away with this thing in neutral ice, but it bounces away from everyone. And I think we're going to get an offside call here. Play is whistled down as the puck entered the Seattle zone. So here's our reset that we got to do every once in a while. 16.38 left in the third. The shop board reads 31-20 in favor of the Avalanche. We will see how much that continues to climb. 
Yes, indeed. So let's keep an eye on that one as this third period continues. About three and a half minutes have gone here in this stanza. Again, 2-1 Seattle. It was 2-2 after McKinnon wheeled and slammed one home from up top between the circles. But Lekkonen offside on the play, so the goal is wiped away. 2-1. Right now, a nice stick check right there by Oliver Bjorkstrand. He has both goals for the Kraken. Now he is speeding down the near wall. He looks for the puck against Taves in the corner. It's going to slide to the trapezoid. And this one will be taken away by Lekkonen, who was offside, as I mentioned a moment ago. And here come two-on-two, Nathan McKinnon and the very dangerous Rantanen. Now this one tapped out to the blue line, but not all the way out of the zone. So McKinnon chasing the puck down, where he is double-teamed right there. And Yanni Gord able to pass this one away, but not out. And finally, Seattle will get this one back to neutral ice. 15 minutes, 48 seconds to play here in the third. Cooper Hopkins with you on the play-by-play, along with John Ott on the color side. And we have got Colorado in the Ozone yet again, but an errant pass is picked up right there by the Kraken and carried out by Donato. So this one fired in on Gurgia from distance, and he will hold it with the big trapper, and we'll get a face-off. So I know it's 15.34 left to go in the third, but honestly, I'm just saying Nathan McKinnon feels like he's been out there for about four minutes already to start this third period. I know it's no surprise, but you're going to have to call that timeout here pretty soon, probably about the next ten minutes. You're going to have to keep uh, 29 fresh here because he's looked superhuman in this game. Yeah, he absolutely has, and he, uh, he for, by all rights, should have two goals. It was just a little bit of bad luck, a little bit of bad timing by his line mate. Otherwise, this thing would be knotted at two. 20 shots for Seattle, 29 for Colorado. There's a face-off to Gurgiev's left, and this one is ultimately taken away by the Avs. So it's carried right there by Byram. He's going to look to fire it up the far wall. It's chipped along. Kraken will chase down, as will, I think we had, no, I was about to say McKinnon, but we did see him a moment ago getting a rest. That's Eller, and the puck's carried away by Seattle. Chip and chase right now. Wearing lucky number seven is Donato for, excuse me, Everly for the Kraken. And the puck is picked up there by Rodriguez. He'll send this one back to Byram. Byram now holds, and he's patient in front of his goaltender in his own end. Inside 15 minutes to play here as the pass is gently across for a teammate. And sent over to the near board, just new hook. And right there, the puck bounces around, and we're going to get a whistle. And, John, I think we again have an offside there. I, I apologize, I'm missing some of these uh, quick calls, but play has been whistled dead for a face-off. Well, that's what we got right now. Again, they're just talking about on the TNT side about keeping both benches sharp and rolling their lines as we see 29 yet again on the ice. Yeah, he's getting uh, about half a shift of rest, and then he's getting about a double shift at minimum. So big credit to these guys uh, in Cerulean and Maroon for, you know, they've got the cardio, they got the muscle, they got the skills, they have the know-how, uh, and they have the puck on their sticks more often than not. That is the case at the moment with 14.35 here to go in the third, wheeling and firing a slapper, but only getting partial uh, contact on it was Lekkonen, and then the puck is just sent out into the neutral zone before it gets bounced back in. McKinnon, a little surprised to see that whistle blown, but it was for offside, so yet another face-off, John. Yeah, Lekkonen is the guy that I would think Seattle, out of all the personnel between McCarr, Ranton, and McKinnon, let the one shoot the puck, and that's what they're trying to leave open if you're Seattle. Yes, indeed. So Ranton right now with that backhand face-off win, a nice clean one in the neutral zone. That one's going to go D to D and is sent deep into the Seattle Kraken end. So right now, Yanni Gord, he finds the puck, chips it out, but only to the A logo at center ice here at Ball Arena. 
and chipping off the glass, excuse me, the boards to himself was Ranton, and there's a shot right on to Grubauer. He saw it through some legs, and he makes the save right on that S logo on his chest. Yeah, when you got 96 and 29, is Kel McCarr with a sweet little spin move plays it across the wall in this first line. They're as good as anybody in the league. I would take them as the tops. Yeah, tough to argue, especially when you see what they've been doing this evening. Uh, and it's just still hard to believe. We cannot say it enough. And it is the current storyline as McCarr shakes his head on the bench. Grubauer has been absolutely wonderful yeah. in this contest. Uh, and I don't expect that to change. It looks like he has been unflappable. And the Kraken are absolutely, John, going to need him through the remainder of this matchup. Just over 14 to play, and the Avalanche keep pushing. But for the moment, the Kraken win a nice face-off in their own zone. So a good D win right there. And boy, one of the uh, the Avs, excuse me, fell down. And I think that may have been Eller trying to get a number on that one. Uh, actually, in fact, it was Devin Taves. But Bjorkstrand was in on that one, and the Kraken created a little pressure momentarily. Bjorkstrand looking for number three tonight, John. So Bjorkstrand undid the hinges of Gurgiev's mask looking for his third as we go to break. You're right. And actually, I just got a quick look at that replay in slow motion, and I think Gurgiev got a piece off the shoulder. It does contact the mask, and then the puck ricochets off of the crossbar. So Bjorkstrand just a couple inches away. I want to mention this, too. I know this is going to be a little bit of repeat, but this is only because it's Game 7 and what you just talked about. So I'll try not to kill this too much. But you're talking about the double shifting. That time it was Comfer at the center spot with McKinnon on the wing. So he's definitely going to be on one, two, three. Mix it wherever you can between the centerman and the off wing. Maybe even with Rantanen just to keep McKinnon fresh as possible. Yeah, that's a good point, John. Thanks for uh, thanks for making us aware of that. And uh, yeah, Jared Bednar, uh, the, the bench boss for the Avalanche, he's going to do everything necessary. And by everything, I mean everything. Uh, just just put twenty nine on the ice. Just yeah. put him out. Just put him out. Twenty nine, ninety six, sixty two. Just put him out. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, they've they've looked really good throughout this whole game. And I just want to give a little bit of a reset on the ESPN part of the box. So the shots are officially right now twenty nine, twenty two in this break. The hits are. Really in favor of Seattle, 35-18, and again, I think that's kind of stayed that way because of the scoreline. Faceoffs are the edge for the Avalanche, 26-20. That is of note because of the amount of teams that you have in the league. Seattle is bottom third in the faceoff percentage. They're one of the worst on that side. But they've kept this largely to even strength because the one power play tally was Vince Dunn that got a tripping. It was McKinnon with the Rocket that got a goal here for Colorado the good as it still sits 2-1. to one. But Gurgiev and that chance from Bjorkstrand, man, it put a piece of that mask up on the back. I'm not sure what else that hit, but we saw something fly off the mask of Gurgiev with the slow-mo replay. Yeah, boy, that's a, that's a great point, John. It did actually have so much of an impact that uh, something flew off the mask there, and Gurgiev's going to the backup. It's, uh, I mean, the backup mask, <laughs> not his backup goaltender. No, we are not going to see on the other end for Pavel Francois, not the way that these two guys are playing. These goalies have been fantastic in this game. Yes, they have, and my goodness, with two goals tonight, uh, it's four points in the series for number 22, so add those up, and that's Oliver Bjorkstrand. As Gergiev now has the, he had the kind of the silver and black mask, and now he's uh, going with a little more of the color scheme. John, he has now Cerulean and Maroon on his mask, with that backup Bauer cage and uh, that number 40 on the chin plate. And it's going to be a face-off to his right inside 14 minutes to go here in the third period at Ball Arena. Game 7 between the Seattle Kraken, their first Game 7 in history 
as John, this one, is bounced from distance off of the end boards, and Comfer comes flying through with a clean chance. Another huge stop for the Groovauer man. <laughs> Unreal. A 200-foot pass all the way down the ice. Grubauer comes all the way out to cut out the angle on Comfer. I mean, that is perfect. And Grubauer, he's got his A++ game right now. Absolutely. Add that second plus. That is uh, a good point by you, pal. Grubauer with a huge stop. I'm not, again, how many times have we said it? I, I'm really not sure how Comfort doesn't make it 2-2 right there. It's a bang-bang play, but he had a clean look at uh, at least part of an open net. So right now, 13.40 to go here. It's 2-1 Seattle again in this Game 7 from Denver. And the Kraken moving left to right on your radio dials. The Avalanche moving right to left in their home maroon, Seattle in those road whites. So, speaking of which, one of those is streaking up the near boards. That's number 37, Yanni Gord. He's going to send this one along to the far corner behind Gurkiev. And now the puck bounces off the back of the cage. It'll be picked up there as one of the avalanche, excuse me, one of the Kraken goes down. I think that was Tolvanen who uh, tumbled near the blue line on the Colorado side. And the Kraken right now are going to control the puck with Jamie Oleksiak, the former Dallas star. Going to send this one along the far boards. Nice ricochet right there. And chasing down are the Kraken. Gurkiev comes out to play it. He got it to it just in time. Matty Beniers and that first line are on for the visitors. It's picked up right there by Adam Larson. He gets rubbed off the puck right there by Bowen Byron. But the possession is held by Seattle. It's now in the near corner. Backhanded along. The referee in the way. Matty Beniers tries to get clear. He was moving toward the net. But the puck bounces to the avalanche. Now off of a skate. That was off of the back of Matty Beniers' skate. So the Kraken will hang on to it. This is uh, some of the more extended possession they've had in the third period. They like to counterattack. They've done so a number of times tonight and have been very dangerous when doing so. 12 minutes, 25 seconds to go here. The Kraken have it in their own end. They're looking for that angled pass. It bounces off the wall. And now here comes Turbo Tanev. He is on the move. One of the grinders, number 13 for Seattle. And he's in the, excuse me, in the trapezoid area with Daniel Sprong. The puck is going to be sent out to neutral, uh, neutral ice right now. And it's chipped forward and out of play by Schultz. So we'll have a face-off, John. And there's another shot at Nathan McKinnon. He's on the bench, but you can't imagine for very long. No, you can't. On the other end, I know it's a simple play for Justin Schultz, but that's a good step through across the Avalanche logo to deny the space. And if you're going to clear it, you can fire it into the player's bench, but no recourse on that end. So good job by Schultz. Yeah, no question about it. got to be clear uh, that if you send it out... Uh, to the fans uh, from your own zone, uh, that is a two-minute penalty for delay a game. But uh, he was a neutralized there, and the puck goes out near the players. So uh, we play on at five-on-five, five, which is, as we've talked about, exactly what Seattle wants. So now, inside 12 minutes to play, here come the Avalanche. They send this one over to the, excuse me, that's right in the slot. And, John, how is that out? That was pushed away by the right pad of Grubauer. The Avalanche right there threatening, and that was Devin Taves, and I couldn't get a second number there, but just a great bang-bang play, and Grubauer again standing on his head. Now the Kraken separate the Avs from the puck. It's Bjorkstrand's line out with Gord, and now the Kraken have it at the red line at center ice. They'll hold near their own blue line, and it's back to, I believe that is Larson, and so that one's sent across to the far boards. And the battle for the puck is near the right point, excuse me, left point, and now the shot goes well wide. Bjorkstrand tries to keep it in. He will be able to do so. It's back near the far half boards. Puck now picked up by the Avalanche. A great back pass, and on his horse is Nathan McKinnon. 
And it's at the far corner to the left of Grubauer, and coming away with that right there is done for Seattle. Ten minutes, 55 seconds to play here in the third. A couple minutes seem to go every time I check that clock. I know that Seattle's doing so as well, and all the Kraken fans across the country. So the Avalanche taking it their own blue line. Look for the stretch pass and connect it. Comfort gets it in the near corner. We are at Ball Arena, 2-1 Seattle with 10 minutes and 35 seconds to play. The Kraken looking to battle for the puck in the trapezoid behind Grubauer with uh, Matty Benares, and he does a nice job right there sending it to Donato. He's got some room to work. Donato avoids a check right there, spins around near the penalty boxes, and the puck is sent along to the cage area by Gurgiev. Now here come the Avalanche the other way, but the Kraken have numbers back. Good check right there by Alexiak, and a massive body check going down to the ice is Donato. Couldn't get the hitter, but the hittee was Donato, wearing number nine for the Seattle Kraken. He pounces, excuse me, bounces back up right away, though. Doesn't seem to be worse for wear, John, but the checking has uh, definitely ramped up in the last couple of minutes. We are now inside 10 minutes to play in the third, holding the puck behind Gurgiev for the Avalanche is number three, Johnson, and he's going to send this one along the far wall. That one bounces to the right circle, and the Kraken will take it over, chip it off the kick plate, and a nice battle for the puck right there, but it's taken away by the Avs at center ice. Battling near the player benches. Multiple players, including Schwartz for Seattle. It's sent back along all the way to big number 40 with the paddle in goal for the Avs. Now here comes Miko Rantanen. He's got the puck on his stick with that left-hand shot. Going to try to sneak it through Gorg. He does so. Dunn tries to put some pressure on it. Guess who's got it? It's Nathan McKinnon. That one from distance shot. It's loose in front. In front of the blue paint. Nathan McKinnon's ice time creeping up to 22 minutes. He's going to shoot from distance again. And this one's going to bounce off of a stick and all the way back down the ice. This might be an icing call. And yes, it will be. I think the Kraken needed that one because McKinnon again inches away from scoring. You want to talk about locked in. McKinnon just came back on the ice. He's got this near the right dot, couple pirouette spins, ranted in trying to look for a deflection. It's loose near the left side of the blue paint. It just gets brushed aside with the left pad. My goodness, 9.03 left in regulation. Yes, indeed. 30 saves on 31 shots faced tonight for number 31, Philip Grubauer, in net for the Kraken. We just got a close-up shot of McKinnon on the bench. Boy, all the credit in the world to him. You could see him breathing hard for the first time tonight, and we are inside nine minutes to play. He's basically been on the ice for the 23 minutes of this contest, and the puck is up and into the crowd, so we will get another face-off, John. And uh, this one is on a knife's edge, my friend. Yes, it is, and we'll even belabor that point again on that side. He was put in, that was a good angle, he was put in there with Matt Nieto on the third line for Jared Bednar's squad was Nathan McKinnon, so I imagine any time he goes to his coach and asks if he won in, he's going to be allowed that, and as we talk about it, we're at that knife's edge, and I would think within the next three minutes here, maybe Jared Bednar uses that timeout just so you can maybe even triple shift at a point in your top line. But I, would I ever think I was going to say that? No. But that's how good they've been right now. And you want to be able to, whether you win, lose, or draw this thing, Cooper, go with the horses that got you there. And this first line for the Avalanche, they've been uh, towing this all the way through. I think they still have a chance at it. They have 5-1 to one in the danger chances in the third period. I'm not saying Seattle's playing all the way in their own end, but this might be the point in time where I call it. I think they might start to show up now, considering how much time is left, as you're around eight minutes. 
Yeah, and this is a really interesting point in this period, John, not only because of the, the type of play that we've seen from both of these teams. I don't want to claim by any stretch that Seattle has gone into a shell, but have we seen really any notable extended ozone time no. for them so far in the third? Not right, right now. Right. So, yeah, we, we fundamentally agree on that one. And I think uh, what, we're, what we're seeing much more clearly is that Colorado has done what they've done throughout the majority of this game. They've had more success setting up their ozone presence, cycling the puck, finding lanes, uh, setting up passes and relatively clean shot attempts. Now, big, big credit to those defenders and, and those forwards as well for the Kraken getting in those shooting lanes and uh, blocking shots. Is that sustainable? I don't know. I mean, they've been able to do it basically with almost 100% success, other than uh, one exception when they're on the penalty kill. Uh, they, can they do it for eight more minutes? That's to be determined. And then pretty soon, John, when we get a stoppage, we're going to have to ask each other if this scoreline stays the same, at what point do you pull the goaltender for the abs? So lots of decisions to be made by Dave Haxall for Seattle and Jared Bednar for Colorado, of course. We officially have... 8.57 to play here and a nice Ozone win. Another clean face-off win for the home team. And that puck is deflected just wide of the near post, John. It was Lekkonen. That came in from Makar, I believe. So a definite set play off of the face-off win. And the puck bounces out of the neutral zone all the way back to the Colorado side of things. 8.30 to go. It's now 23 shots for Seattle, 32 for the Avalanche. In this period, it's six shots for Colorado and five for Seattle. But you got to figure that number is going to creep up for the Avs as they are putting the pressure on without question. 8.20 to play now here. The puck bouncing near the high slot. It's loose. Bounces back toward the slot. Now picked up there by Seattle. That one was grabbed by Will Borgen. It's at the far half boards in the Seattle end. It's floated up into the sky and falls back down to the ice surface where it's taken by Colorado. Eight minutes to go now. And there's a turnover. This one chipped. It's a three-on-one for Seattle. There's a pass across. And this one's saved by Gergiev, John. I think he got a piece with the paddle. It probably should be 3-1 right there. And it would have been Bjorkstrand's hat trick. But inside, 7.48 to go now. And the puck is held by Taves of Colorado. He surveys the scene and sends this one up into the neutral zone. This puck's now sent along off of the near corner and bouncing around where it's going to be picked up by Yanni Gord. Boy, a dangerous pass right there to the slot. But uh, I'll leave it to, to the professionals to make those decisions. Uh, he found a teammate pretty cleanly there. So now, John, I'm just going to keep the, uh, noting that time as it ticks down. 7.22 to go here. 2-1 Seattle in this game. 7. The winner will move on to face the Dallas Stars. So here we go with the avalanche with the puck at the near corner. It's held right there by Rodriguez. Goes for the wheel shot where it's off of a leg. I think that bounced off of Adam Larson. It was just out of the zone. The Avs come back in on side though. And here's Dunn backhanding this thing along the near boards. It's going to go all the way to Everly. Everly now two on two. He's going to drop this one off and the Kraken will make a change. It's being held at the far boards by Ryan Donato. He gets bounced off the puck right there and the Colorado Avalanche will come right back. They're going to skate this one to the neutral zone. It's McKinnon. He's going to try to do it himself. The puck is sticked off of his, his, oh my goodness, John, I thought it was 2-2 there as the puck was bounced off McKinnon's stick blade, picked up by a teammate and fired just wide to Grubauer's right. 6.33 to go here in the third period. The Kraken looking to possess in the near corner to Gurdjieff's left. But the Avalanche, boy, I'm sorry to repeat myself here. They come away with it and will skate this thing through the neutral zone. It's poked along right there by Johnson and held to, that is Grubauer's right, although nice job by Seattle. They get uh, the pressure of the Avalanche 
almost and use it against them where they can get their change. They, they chip that puck down to the near corner. Oleksiak was battling for it. He's a defenseman there on a forecheck. Now the puck was sort of stretched past back to the neutral ice area where it's sent back in. Now the Kraken just trying to kind of cycle this thing from teammate to teammate. Right now, Tolvin in battling for the puck. Bjorkstrand, a nice job right there. Again, a one-handed stick check. They've done a great job with those throughout the evening tonight. You can see the Colorado fans waving those towels, the pom-poms, trying to get their team motivated, trying to give them a little extra push here as we have just five and a half minutes to go in this game seven. So here comes Colorado. This one skated up the near boards by number 29. Ethan McKinnon, and the puck went through one of the the legs of one of the Kraken and was basically a shot right on that Grubauer had to stop on the left pad. Now Rodriguez goes down. The fans caught a penalty. Everyone jumping on their feet, and I'm not sure how there's not a tripping call there. Now Beneers sends it to the far circle, a blocker saved by Gergiev. The puck bounces to the far corner. It's held by the Avs. They'll try to cycle this one back behind their own net. It's held there by Rodriguez again, who I thought was tripped, but apparently was not. Now the puck goes to Byram. He's up the left side. Now this one chipped away at the Seattle blue line. It bounces off of one of the Avalanche back. And Morgan Geeky waves at that thing a couple of times. John, we're inside five minutes to play. Alec and Jason, thank you guys so much for being along on this ride with us. The Kraken are four minutes and 45 seconds away from taking this series with this 2-1 lead. Can they hold it? Can they build upon it? Colorado is going to have a lot to say about that with four and a half to go. Now this one passed along back to the top of the circle. Grubauer can't find it. He's trying to push one of the Avalanche away from his own net. He was tied up with one of the Seattle guys. And so now 33 shots for Colorado, 25 for Seattle. This one's chipped right there by Will Borgen of the Kraken, but the puck will end up going back to the near corner in the Seattle end. It's held right there by the Kraken. Bjorkstrand back out on the ice for Seattle. Now the Kraken come away with it. They're going to streak this one over. Here comes Bjorkstrand. He tries to put a move on Gerard. Can't get a shot off, but Gord comes away with the puck. Boy, he was checked right there, but did a good job to stay on his skates. Now Borgen's going to skate back. Seattle is starting John to go into that shell here a little bit. Not too much of a forecheck. They're going to stay back in the neutral zone and play a little bit of a trap. But there was a nice stretch pass right there. It was picked up by O'Connor of the Avalanche. And we have not said Nathan McKinnon's name, John, in a couple of minutes here, which is a surprise as the puck is held by the Avs. We'll see if number 29 comes back out onto the ice for the Cerulean and Maroon. And I think there may have been a puck into the player's bench because with 3.37 to play in this third period, John, we have a stoppage and a face-off coming up. I would say great work by you because you had the extended play all over you, and that's why we have broadcast professionals on both sides. Again, we appreciate you guys uh, following along on that end. I had a very long day on that side, so I'm glad to be able to be joined by Cooper, be able to call these other two periods of what we hope is going to be regulation on that side for my friend. But as you said, I'm going to throw this out there too. That long stretch of play, that's just going to make sure that uh, Nathan McKinnon couldn't get back on the ice until we get to this commercial break now. So Bednar's still got that timeout in his back pocket. And let's just throw this out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if the Avalanche happened to tie it, and we go to OT, does Jared Bednar go back to his normal line rotations? Because he's got to know that line numero uno is very, very dog-tired. Yeah, I think so. But I think what we do is, I think Jared, what we see, I should say, and what Jared Bednar will do is essentially rewind all the way back to the very beginning of this game. Now, we saw a, a healthy dose of uh, Nathan McKinnon 
and Ranton and Lekkonen. I think we still see a healthy dose, but he essentially treats it like a brand new hockey game where they uh, re- sort of revert to their initial strategies. I don't think that he's going to continue to, to uh, if we reach overtime, to uh, double shift those guys because, you know, it could be a long night. We have two goaltenders playing very, very well. You know, yeah. we're not talking about a 4-2, 4-3 hockey game as we expected, John. We're talking about 2-1. And if it weren't for offside, this thing would be tied and headed directly for OT. Yeah, and from what we talk about with these goaltenders, it absolutely should be that squirrel line, but they've been that good. And Gurgiev's been really good, too. He just hasn't been tested as much, and that's kind of gone the way between 6 and 7 now. But Philip Grubauer, man, it's a coming-out party for the Seattle Kraken. He had a little bit of that with the Avs, but they were kind of wondering, Seattle, if they were going to get this type of goaltender coming over from Colorado. He's certainly been his best self in this series. Yep, and as we come back to the TNT feed here, the closest two players to Bednar on the bench are Rantanen and McKinnon on the ice right now for the Avs. Eller, Lekkonen, Newhook, Myers, O'Connor. We'll see if that stays as the group that uh, takes this face-off. And uh, immediately I'm corrected. I see Rantanen jumping over the boards, and I see McKinnon doing the same. So uh, it should be no surprise there. I should have known better after a media timeout. Basically, that's a break right there. And, John, we're going to have a face-off at center ice on that Avalanche A logo. And it is one, yet again, that is certainly a refrain here in this third period. But throughout the game, the Avalanche have done great in the face-off circle. Three and a half to go here in the third. This puck bounces out front. McKinnon fires. I don't think Grubauer was in position. There was a blocked shot right there. I think that credit goes to number 24, Jamie Oleksiak. Boy, he slid down in front. And now Gergiev dives. He gets the puck out to Bjorkstrand. He's going to try to fire on an open net. Gergiev is way out of the crease. He had to go out to poke check that thing. It could have easily been 3-1, but Bjorkstrand couldn't get enough on it to settle it down, turn and fire. What a sequence right there. McKinnon almost ties it. Then Bjorkstrand again, just about a half second away from getting his hat trick. Inside three minutes now, the puck bouncing toward the near boards on the Seattle side, and here comes the Kraken. They got it up the near wall. There's a shot right on. Boy, tried to go five-hole, did Schwartz, and that one is turned aside, and the play is whistled down, John. 2.44 to go. I pose the question to you, my friend. When do we see Gurgiev head to the bench? It's got to be within the next 30 seconds. We're taking a look at Gurgiev, and this is no kidding. He's diving out in between the middle of the slot just to try to make a play. And then when his heart's beating an extra minute, he gets a right pad save when he hasn't seen a lot of work of late. So good work there by Alexander. Yeah, absolutely. A big tip of the cap to number 40 in net for the Avs. Uh, and you know what? That first goal by Bjorkstrand certainly does not hang uh, over Gergiev's head. No. It's basically, basically 1-1 when you talk about uh, what the goalies have let in tonight. And you could even make an argument about that. But you can make no argument that this faceoff is, in fact, taking place to Gergiev's left. He is set up in position. And guess what? Getting waved out of the circle right there is Wenberg, the former Columbus Blue Jacket. So Short steps in and promptly loses a face-off in the O-zone. Tanev out on the ice as well for Seattle. 34 shots, Colorado, 26, Seattle. It's 2-1 in Game 7 here in Denver. Two minutes and 30 seconds on the clock. Possession right now held by the Kraken. You can see the Colorado Avalanche scrambling back every time Seattle takes the puck as they are putting so much pressure and trying to get that tying goal. Wenberg battling with O'Connor. O'Connor will come away with it. Two minutes, 15 seconds to go now. Good job by the Kraken on the forecheck. The puck was bounced back to Gergiev where he had to play the puck in the trapezoid. 
Another good forecheck right there, and on a change, the puck is stolen. Man, it's, oh my gosh, John, I thought it was 3-1. I truly, truly did. That was off the bar. The Kraken had been so close to that insurance goal, and Gurkiev now on a shot by Larson makes a casual glove save and shaking his head. Was it Bjorkstrand stoned again? How many times has he been denied of getting number three? He could have had four. He said two crossbars. Absolutely unreal. He has been locked on tonight. Number 22 in white has basically been like number 29 in red. Bjorkstrand shakes his head. I think he knows he had the hat trick right there and potentially the series. But John, with a minute and 58 to go, Bjorkstrand still shaking his head as he heads to the bench. And Hackstall gathering the troops. I think, John, we're going to have a timeout called by Seattle, in fact. And they're going to catch their breath. And they're going to strategize as they're going to try to kill the last minute and 58 seconds in this third period. Ben, what drama. Hey, Denver. look, I'm not saying this isn't the right call to do. You want to make sure that all the troops are organized and know exactly what they want to do. But this time out, you know what that's going to give on the other side for the top line? Yeah, you know you're facing them. I think they know they're facing them no matter what. You know it's the McKinnon group. You know you're going to see Randon. You know you're going to see Lekin and McCarr. Uh, and I guess they're just going to take that risk. They're going to roll those dice. Uh, no Las Vegas pun intended, Jason. But uh, they're going to roll those dice and say, you know what, we're probably going to face them either way. And they might have 30 or 40 more seconds of rest, but they're still Nathan McKinnon, still Randon, still Lekin, and They're going to be who they are. We just have to be who we are. Gurgiev still in the goal crease with a minute 58 left to go in this game. Seattle right on the precipice, their first playoff series, trying to get their first series win. And what an incredible accomplishment it would be to take down the defending Stanley Cup champions. Bjorkstrand has two goals tonight on six shots, and I think he has a couple of uh, uncredited shots as well as he's hit multiple posts tonight, or at least a crossbar and a post. The post was on that last attempt, and there's another, make it a, another clean face-off win, and John, after that face-off win in their own zone, there goes Gurgi up to the bench. There's an empty net, a minute 45 to go in the third here in Denver, Colorado. The Avalanche have the puck right now. They're going to backhand this one along behind Grubauer. 34 shots, Colorado, 27, Seattle. The puck is to the near corner to Grubauer's right. Multiple players battling for it, including Rodriguez. A couple of Kraken are in there with it. I, I think we see that's Larson as well for the Kraken. Make it Gordon Larson. Now the puck's held in at the point by Rantanen. It's head back to Rantanen. Now Rantanen, he's going to walk the blue line. Sends it to the near circle. It's held by McKinnon. McKinnon, he sends it down low to the near corner. Now it's back to the blue line. A lot of traffic in front. Again, Gurgiev out of the net. Less than, excuse me, just over a minute to go here in the third period. The puck at the far wall. Now it's Comfer. Comfer goes back to the blue line. There's a shot through traffic. It bounces just wide to the left of Grubauer. Inside a minute to go now. 56 seconds to play. The puck's at the near corner. Larson looking for it. And the Kraken cannot come away with it. It's held in at the far point. Excuse me, the near point. Now Ranton, he can't control it. This one's going to be knocked up the near boards, chasing down and trying to negate the icing, but just being beaten by McCarr is Bjorkstrand. Bjorkstrand's been everywhere, John, and he was just a step late. McCarr gets the icing. McCarr doubled over, breathing heavy, 44 and a half to play. We know how tired Kale is. He's still one of the fastest men in the world, and even dog-tired still beats Bjorkstrand, who's been everywhere, and Jared Bednar says... Let's go, guys. We're going to take our time out and try to find something with 
I truly can't believe this. And once we do get to the end of this game, I'm going to take an extra couple minutes with you because I have a thought on the top of my head. And I think you'll know where I'll go to this when I start it. But let's watch the theater here for 44 seconds. And thank you to everyone that's been following along tonight. This has been fantastic. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, this has been really, really special. And uh, my goodness, John, of all the games that we have called, uh, you know, a few minutes ago I was talking about, oh, you know, well, I've, I've really been a fan of the Flames since I was a little boy. And, oh, with the Seattle Kraken, I love them because they're my hometown team. But I don't let the emotion get in the way. Uh, bull blank. That is, <laughs> my heart is pounding right now, my friend. Uh, 44 and a half seconds to go. Timeout now over after being called by Jared Bednar in the Avalanche. Uh, you got to think there's a little more oxygen in the lungs of Nathan McKinnon and the team. Look out, Seattle. Can they close this thing out? Can they find the empty net? Can they hold this down for less than a minute? We will find out starting about two seconds from now. Again, Gergiev on the bench, Nathan McKinnon. He is on the ice. Makar on the ice. Comfer on the ice. Rantanen going to take this face off for the Avs. And... The puck is dropped again. Man, oh, man. Yeah, we're going to get a whistle here. John, I'm sorry, are you seeing something? No, I'm just thinking with the avalanche, I'm really upset because Rantanen throws it out to McKinnon, and they're set up. They are set up, and Gord is now Gord shouting with, uh, I believe, either the referee or his opponent. They're going to redo this faceoff. For, apparently, Rantanen went early, but they're going to do a faceoff one more time. Same result, John. It's won by the Avs. Now this one's sent to the circle. There's Grubauer. He can't find the puck. It bounces to the near wall. 35 seconds to go. The puck is in the near corner being fought for by Larson. Gord in there with Rantanen. The Avalanche looking to dig it out. 29 seconds, 28. The puck comes out. It's held at the near point. Walking the point is McCarr. Looks for a teammate. That's taken right there by McKinnon. McKinnon tries to go back to the blue line. Gore trying to stick check him. The puck is off of McCarr's stick. It's Bjorkstrand. He dives forward, but he can't get a clean shot on the empty net. He just pushes it back to the Avalanche end. 10 seconds, John. 8 seconds. Here come the Avalanche. They are on side. The puck goes back behind the trapezoid. Four seconds, John. Three seconds. Two, one. The puck in the near corner. And this game is over. John, the Seattle Kraken have won game seven in Ball Arena by a final score of two to one. They move on to the second round and the upsets continue. We couldn't think, John, when this game started that the upset would be bigger than the Panthers over the Bruins. Well, guess what? The defending Stanley Cup champions are out of the playoffs thanks to the Seattle Kraken. You know what? You hit the nail on the head as far as what the numbers say. You're in your first playoff series. You feel like Cinderella. It's the defending champs. I know about the injuries and some of the other things on the onset. At the end of the day, it's still the Colorado Avalanche. And through seven grueling games, I know we're going to be getting the handshake line, but Seattle, I mean, they struggled a little bit in game six, but that really is the only game where Seattle looked a little bit mismatched. This has been unbelievable, and all the fans in the Emerald City should be absolutely rejoicing. I'm very happy for you, Cooper Hopkins, on that side, but the job's not done yet. We'll see what they can do against the Dallas Stars. I'll give Seattle as good a shot as anybody now. Wow, I agree with you, my friend, and I, I won't I won't lie. The, the emotions are, are welling up right now for me. This is a really, really incredible moment. I'm, uh, I'm so thrilled that this was the outcome, but you know what? Truly, I, I really believe this as I say it. Either way, if the, if the score were flipped, the way this game was played by both of these teams was absolutely exceptional yeah. and was represented at its best by 
not only both goaltenders, Gergiev and Grubauer, but by Bjorkstrand and Nathan McKinnon of the Avalanche, uh, the Kraken and Avalanche, respectively. The individual effort shown by both of those players, how close Bjorkstrand came uh, to scoring that hat trick, sure, that's something that we were going to talk about. But that last play he made, sprinting through the neutral zone, John, at full speed, diving forward to kill additional time as the clock was expiring, just gets his stick blade on the puck to knock that thing deeper into Avalanche territory. That is the exemplification, I think, of the Kraken effort tonight, and they fully deserve this 2-1 victory. What an incredible accomplishment for a team in its second season. Absolutely. Again, that effort that you talked about personified everything that Seattle has done all year, and Bjorkstrand looked as good as every bit of the superstars you could have for. He had two posts. It could be four goals, and I, I honestly, I can't believe it. We're going to the handshake line, and the Colorado Avalanche go home after the first round. It's astounding. It's astounding. You know what else? And in the midst of it, these, these players and this coaching staff would have every reason to hang their heads, to let their disappointment show. They're defending cup champions. But you know what? As Dave Haxtall, which something I want to point out here is, as you see on the TNT feed, uh, the Colorado Avalanche celebrating their fans, and they certainly deserve to be. Uh, they were treated to something so rare and special last year uh, as these uh, Avalanche were, were lifting the cup here just uh, a little less than a year ago. Now they head into their room having been beaten uh, by a team that almost literally no one expected to advance. But I just wanted to point out about these coaches. Dave Haxtall, with a, a stoic look on his face, stepped off the bench and looked up into the rafters, looked up into the crowd, looked down onto the ice surface and around the boards, and he was taking in this moment. What a huge accomplishment for him and his team. Uh, and Jared Bednar deserves all the credit in the world for putting a smile on his face, showing genuine joy for a colleague, shaking his hand near the benches before they met again uh, in the, the handshake line, and then uh, Jared Bednar greeting his former goaltender, Philip Grubauer, with a hug. That's class. That's the Colorado Avalanche. Just a wonderful moment. Yeah, it was. Absolute class on the other end. I'm thinking about this historic day, and I also want to think about something that we talked about in the Stanley Cup Finals. But in this historic day, we can recap it just from the other day. It was Toronto Maple Leafs for their first uh, series win since 2004. They take out the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Florida Panthers upset the Boston Bruins today, and the Seattle Kraken take out the Avalanche. So no bolts. No Avs and no Bruins as we go into the second round of this playoff series. Absolutely ridiculous on that end. But what I want to reference is this, as they're talking to Philip Grubauer and very well deserved. He was a man on a mission tonight. He was exceptional throughout the whole series. But I know it was just you know, this last year, maybe about a month or so ahead, when we talked in the Stanley Cup Finals and we had those moments that we shared across. And that game six, when we watched the Avalanche lift the cup with all of their stars, again, no Gabe Landeskog, he missed the entire year. But that just seemed like a team that was going to have destiny out in front of them. They get some injuries. We had a situation with uh, Val Nachuskin that we haven't talked about that's been well documented throughout the news. They've been missing some horses. And within the first round last year, when Colorado had two sweeps, one in the hand of Nashville, and one on the other hand of uh, Edmonton, they ripped them apart. It's completely different. Seattle comes in, 
Again, they can play with house money. They've been good all year. They've been excellent on the road. Again, taking a couple wins at Ball Arena. They just look unfazed. And now what we have left to discover here, Cooper, is whether or not Seattle can make that same run that Vegas did about five seasons ago. Yeah, that's going to be the narrative for sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think the, the Knights, they, they forged the mold, right? They sort of walked that path for a, a, a young team, uh, younger than this one. Yeah. They, they did it right away. Uh, but the Kraken uh, have completely changed their fortune, certainly not overnight. But to, to go from their first season, their inaugural year, to this is uh, beyond any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, the fact that they made the playoffs, which I do, I, I do want to give credit. Um, media fans, I think a lot of people believe this team had some potential, um, you know, to make some noise, right? That, that old phrase that we hear, quote-unquote, make some noise, maybe, maybe bother some folks along the way, maybe take a game from the Avalanche, uh, who inevitably will go on another deep run in the playoffs. Well, that was certainly not to be. The uh, Seattle Kraken had other ideas, other designs, uh, and we're watching them unfold, and it is just special to see it. Uh, and it, it, an incredible hockey game, you know, and it just goes to show. It doesn't need to be 5-3. to three. You don't need 8, 9, 10 goals a game for it to be exciting. This was just a, a magnificent contest. I'm certainly glad uh, about the outcome, but again, my feeling uh, overall is just that uh, this level of competition, the effort from the individuals that we saw and these teams collectively was, uh, was second to none. And the Kraken are moving on, and uh, we will see if they can continue, just like the Leafs, as you mentioned. We'll see if they can keep this level of play, keep that motivation high, and uh, maybe just keep knocking teams off on this path toward the Stanley Cup. Yeah, Seattle's definitely going to have one of the toughest roads to hoe here in the sense of because not only was the Avalanche, now it's going to be the Dallas Stars. And potentially on the other end, you could have a Vegas-Edmonton situation to be able to go into the, the Western Conference Finals, so about as difficult as it's going to get. But here's the thing from the backhand of what you expressed, and I want to throw this out there again. This was a 2-1 scoreline against a Colorado team that has all sorts of firepower. And if you preview it in the next few days in between Dallas and Seattle, you're going up against that first line of Rope Hintz, Joe Pavelski, and Jason Robertson. And you still have Jake Ottinger and then Miro Haskin on the back end defense. So for as good as Colorado is, maybe even Dallas is just a tick better in all facets. So it's going to be very interesting to me. Philip Grubar played exceptional against his former team. And again, it's going to be a story for me because it's going to be Grubauer against Jake Ottinger. Will Dallas find the book? Did Grubauer just have a great series against his former team? Look, he certainly earned it. He played good through all seven games, no doubt about it. But that is going to be the talking point going forward. And I can't wait to cover more of these games here with you because Dallas and Seattle, that's going to be good. The regular season was slanted one way for uh, Big D, but I feel like that might change a little bit. Seattle's going to have to reverse those fortunes. Yeah, I think so too. Um, maybe part of it's just me being hopeful, but I, I really do believe that, you know, hey, it's it's one thing, like as you pointed out, for a goaltender to face their former team and have that that extra layer, that uh, that extra layer of grit, saying, you know, you know, yeah, we're friends. You're, we're friends in the off season. Yeah, we text each other, but uh, not for these, not for this seven game stretch. I'm going to show you that I'm I'm better. And Group Hour certainly did that. He uh, and and what better time than in a game seven to have what I, I think was his best game of the series. And he has, there are multiple that we could choose from. But uh, I would put tonight at the top of the heap. And, uh, you know, I think that 
because he sustained it over an entire series against the, the Cup champs, the the now uh, the now no longer defending yeah. Cup champs. They still hold it, but they're not defending. Um, so it will go to a, a new victor this year. We will see who. And I think that the Kraken, uh, it's almost a devil-may-care attitude. It's almost the... You know, we don't care who we face. No one. It's the classic sports story, right, John? No one thought we could get here. No one thought we could do this. No one thought we could win one games, two games, three games. Certainly not four games. Well, we just did it, and uh, we're going to keep throwing it right back in everyone's face who didn't believe that we uh, were this good. I'm just going to give you another minute here, and then we will sign off on that side of it. I know you mentioned a little bit in the beginning of the broadcast, but I'll throw out these three teams again: Bolts, Bruins, Avalanche. Which is the biggest upset in your mind? Oh, that okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the bolts out of this one just for the just to keep our our chat streamlined. Mm-hmm. And I almost could flip a coin between the Panthers and the Kraken here, but I'm gonna let the bias reign supreme. I'm gonna say that the Kraken take because they were playing the defending Stanley Cup champions, and really for that reason alone. Now, listen, the Bruins' historic season—you uh, could, you know, you could legitimately and, and correctly argue, technically a better team by the numbers, by the records, um, the best team in the regular season in NHL history. For whatever reason, I think that the challenge that the Kraken were up against, I'm going to give them by a nose the top spot in terms of the upset. But man, oh man. Uh, and I actually kind of, in a way, hope that you make the counter-argument because that Panthers victory was really, really astounding as well. But what a night. Can you believe that both of these games we're talking about happened uh, within hours of each other? I know, absolutely. And the only thing I can say with the counter-argument is Florida, again, they beat Boston six times. You talk about the amount of percentages, and you're thinking at that, and you say, well, that's no big deal because nobody's beat the Avalanche up until right now. So that's kind of the counter-argument. That's no big deal to beat Boston six times. But when you have Matthew Kachuk on the other end alongside Verhage and Montour, that's incredible. And you get two historic upsets on the same night. So all that's left to figure out tomorrow is the last of round one. And here's the interesting thing as we close this out. We didn't get a definitive result for one team clinching until Game 5 between these eight series. How great is that? But Round one's going to end tomorrow, and I'll be here about 8.15 Eastern between the Rangers and the Devils, and we'll see who's going to play the Carolina Hurricanes as we finish off Round 1 tomorrow night. Yeah, John, um, first of all, just again, Alec, Jason, thank you guys for tuning in and sticking with us through basically the entire game tonight. and. The pregame, the postgame, the whole deal. Historic night, no question about it. Glad you were along for the ride. John, it goes without saying, always love to cover any game with you. Regular season, postseason, you pick the teams, flames, crap, whatever. Wings, come on. If you know, They would only be better if, it, if we had the potential of a wings cracking <laughs> final here. But um, it, it, just an absolute joy. You can hear it in my voice. I can't believe you still have a voice. So big credit to you, my friend. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this round one wrapping up. And look, it's not a novel concept, but I agree with everyone who's saying it, and I believe it wholeheartedly. This is the and We've both been watching hockey for a lot of years. This is the best round one that I can remember, hands down. Yeah, it's been so deep. Everybody's been good. You always make the point in the Stanley Cup playoffs that anybody can beat anybody, and that's certainly what we've seen tonight. Thank you, gentlemen. 
We will catch up with you very soon. I'll be in touch with Cooper, but I will see the rest of you on Monday night. So let's finish up this round one and have some fun with it. You got it, pal. Great close, great game, great night. Thanks, everybody, and we will uh, see you again soon. Peace, everybody.